0: Oh, baby. (laughs) I'm glad you asked, Josh. It's not like I haven't been preparing this one for a week now. Just when you thought we were done, it's time for fun. Thank you so much to everyone out there who listens. Thank you so much if you listen while you're in your car, in a bathtub, having dinner or having your happy lunch, because this crazy bunch of dudes has got some tudes and you guys are sending in some questions. And what's that? It's the best thing going down tonight because we're going to answer some. And then later on, we're going to be talking about three different topics that are close to our hearts because what's that? It's a part of what we do. (laughs) And what do we do? We talk to you, our wrestling friends. We are We work Stiff. My name is the Ravishing Red Rude. And as always, I am here to derail us. (laughs) I am joined over yonder by the tokamore pimp himself, Dr. Dave Pruden. <laughs> Dave froze. Uh,
1: his, his power just went out.
0: I Pruden. saw that. <laughs> and always making the magic over there over yonder. It, it is. Did someone <laughs> <Julius>. say Derail. <laughs> Did that happen on derail?
1: I think it was like derail and then boom. Don't worry, he's fine. It's, it's coming back. It's come back on. Just a surge. Finish it. Finish his daughter. Don't worry.
0: And as always, I'm joined over yonder by the man making the magic happen. It is Julius, the chocolate mouse himself. Judge Dr. Crichton.
1: Oh, oh, king of dork. Uh, King of Dorks. Uh,
0: yes. That's... Just quickly, can I tell yeah. the story about our famous story of Boom?
1: Feel free, Red. Feel free, because yeah, Dave is currently waiting to come back we're online because his power went out.
0: So what year was it? Survivor Series. That's the climax of basically the invasion angle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much sums up my experience of the invasion angle.
0: Yeah. And uh, prepubescent young little Joshy and I. Uh...
1: Pretty pubescent, were we?
0: Hello. Yeah, well, I wasn't. You were. Um, <laughs> whatever year that was and everything. So we watched the entire card and it wasn't spectacular at all. And we oh. finally get to the main event and we have watched every part of this entire main event and it finally comes important
1: out. Important to note, Red, important to note for people out there, we're in Australia. So we're watching this on delay pay-per-view, right? So we did all of the pay-per-view, but we couldn't watch it live because we we're at school. So they would replay the pay-per-view at 6.30 at night and they would yeah. do a one shot, thing one, at six, one, one replay, replay at 6.30 at night.
0: Later on and all that kind of stuff. So no. this is the internet yeah. existed, but not like we know it. <laughs>
1: not And not down here. Like we could get, like yeah. I tried to get, I remember I got uh St. Valentine's day massacre on internet pay for you. And that was one of the worst decisions I've ever made in my life. Cause I think I got it in like small chunks via carrier pigeon.
0: Yeah. Anyway. So we finally come down to the crux of the match. I think it's like, the rock is defending the WWE. rvd something yeah.
1: you know, something's like, happening i can't remember too it, much the this winner details.
0: the winner gets to own the company and you yeah know, it's the rock basically taking on so i
1: don't know I, I don't know the it's Curl, it was a bunch of yeah. things something anyway, was happening main event
0: it was escalating we had a, a thunderstorm in the area and we would always make the joke of like and boom boom and that—that that basically means that's a blackout. That's our joke for. It's the when we're blackout. getting really
1: hyped, right? So we get really hyped and yeah. get excited, and it always be like a running gag of like, "boom."
0: And so, on this particular time, though, we've just gone, "Oh my god, this is amazing! Go Rocky! Oh, wouldn't it be funny if, boom?"
1: And I mean, when I tell you, when Red went boom, it went boom.
0: <laughs> it, it went boom
1: at the exact the, same time. It was the stunning. house
0: turned out nothing for blocks and miles and kilometers and everyone <laughs> lost power and anyway so there we are just like what 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 and then yeah. all of a sudden like you know this is like a couple of minutes later the power goes lights come back on
1: Much, let's be let's be real i can remember trying to call the power company yeah uh because this is back in the day when you had you had to plug in the other phone like the old telstra phone that didn't have power yeah. That one that powered itself off the um off the telecommunication line line or whatever. And like this is a pre-cell phone like for us era. Yeah. And so we're there trying our all best to all get back. Lines,
0: all cable yeah, We're trying our
1: best to get back to figure out what's happening. And they're like, oh, you know, it might be on whatever. And it was probably about 25, 30 minutes. Yeah. And then as Red said, then roop,
0: roop, power comes back on. And the Rock. We saw The Rock get the the final count.
1: No, I, I, all I remember is him standing up on the on the corner with the arm. Oh, that's right. End. No,
0: we didn't even see that. That's right. The Rock's just doing his little pose. He's
1: just doing him. his pose, and, and that's so and we're out. We didn't even get to see any of the match, We saw the intro and then the outro the
0: intro and the outro. And that's all we saw was just the the Rock going like that, and then Vince just going. <laughs>
1: Yeah, pretty much pretty much summed up my experience of the that invasion a- angle and and basically that was the, that was the, the slow probably the beginning of the end for my pro I mean I stopped watching pro wrestling from pretty soon after that Red.
0: Yeah, no, I know you did. That's what killed it for you. It was the blackout.
1: <laughs> that was it. That was the 100% the black did blackout did it for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um no, it was it was more just the the slow death of WCW before my eyes. Yes. Um, but, you know, luckily, I, I don't know if you've heard, Survivor Series war games. So did WSW really lose? Really, you know, who, who won? I'm who
2: won the
1: war? Looking ravishing in high definition there, Dave. So that's probably a good sign. Uh, yeah it seems to be working now uh yeah no worries we've just we've just red and i just engaged in a level banter so that's fine um
0: we we went down memory lane
1: yeah we did that was that's lovely so uh question time question time yes gentlemen let's hit the ropes Uh, don't we hit the ropes isn't that the three things red (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we just got questions Okay, so our first question is from a new questioner. When I say questioner, it always makes me think like it's some game show, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. you know, like it's a. It's a it's, I don't know if it's a word or not. Question E question. survey says question E question yeah. question question E would be someone who has been who is the question has been yeah, has been questioned. Um, and, they are
0: and they're the German. Chris Hausen.
1: I believe that's probably a Danhausen reference. Oh. Um, at Black Underscore Baymax Eight, uh, with an impending Forbidden Door Two happening, could we see the IWGP Women's Championship being defended on said show? And who should be the first to defend it? This is this is a stardom, this is like stardom adjacent question. So it's like, Ooh, wading into stardom waters now. People, just so people know, before we get into this question, it is. Uh, so we have talked about this on the part in the past about the IWGP Women's Championship becoming a thing that stardom is going to have and that that will be defended on New Japan shows. So essentially a quasi New Japan Women's Division is kind of the best way to think about it for the western audience, but it also's been announced that it will be defended at Wrestle Kingdom. So it's going to be on those key shows. There is a bracket happening in stardom and there's a bracket happening in uh, an international bracket. Um, with one name yet to be announced. So that's curious on the international side. Um, so that is curious. And they have, they have hinted at a big international star. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. But I mean, I freely acknowledge that I don't watch enough Stardom and it's something that I'm going to start doing because obviously we've talked about New Japan being down these last couple of weeks. Well, Stardom hasn't. Stardom's been running shows. So it's kind of like, oh, I kind of want to get into stardom. But I to be to answer that question, um, I think this is going to sound, inc- it's sound incredibly ignorant. But to some extent, I do think the IWGP Women's Championship, if there's a big star or a Western star that's coming across to grab that, it could be great to get eyes across. So I do think that that would be something I would be looking at investing in is saying, okay, who's a big star from the West that could potentially come in to grab that Um, because it could bring eyes back across the stardom because I don't think stardom needs Western women. In fact, I know they don't need anybody to come in and make them better in terms of their in-ring. That's not a question. Like They are as strong as any roster on the world. But On that note then, are you thinking someone who has
2: a history in stardom and maybe isn't there right now? Potentially, yeah, so like a Tony
1: Storm, yeah,
2: character.
1: Yeah, I think a Tony Storm would be a, would be a, probably a or a Jamie Hader. Um, yeah, someone in that in that space could probably be, uh, you know, most likely. I think that the match,
2: the for the for that title, the first off match will probably have
1: one of those type of characters in it, like one of the Western girls that has a history. That's kind of how it's been structured too, Dave, because it's like a bracket. On one side of the bracket, there's the stardom women. On the other side, there's internationals. And currently, they've got a at at Royal Quest, it's going to be Jazzy Gabbett versus this wrestler Ava from um, the UK. And Jazzy is someone that has had wrestled in uh, stardom in the past. And so she'd gone to NXT UK or something. She's German. Um, But I feel like it would behoove them. To
2: go with homegrown talent uh, as the first champion, mm-hmm. but in like a like a banger match against a Western, so you bring the eyes across. Yep. yep, that could make sense. And then you have like someone like Julia or or whatever with with mass appeal, but from that stardom that's there now and been there for a period of time as that first champion across. I think that would be the best way to sort of appease like current stardom fans and then bring everyone together kind of thing for it yeah that makes sense that's probably a better way to go
0: I mean to sort of like answer the the question I'll just go based off like what I think with the limited knowledge I have of um, stardom and that's you know people like uh, 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 Tami Ayashita she's brilliant she's absolutely phenomenal and I think the, the whole thing of forbidden door is it's always that like dream match stuff that's literally why forbidden door exists because you finally get to have these dream matches that we've always well, wanted to go for well
1: that's that's what that's what historic crossover is going to be where the first champion is crowned that's the show in november november 20th that is the new japan and stardom hyster- historic crossover is what they're calling it where those two combine and have those inter you know those and we know that certain people aren't going to be there, like Zuri and Tom Law are wrestling against Zach Saber Junior. and Julia. So there's certain match like wrestlers that are already out of the, the tournament. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see who gets that who gets that um, position. I know that Starlight Kid is wrestling with Despy; they're teamed up. So um, yeah, I think that Haishida might be a chance. I have to check and see, but um, I, I'm with you in terms of there, Dave. I think obviously the best way is to like at that historic crossover show it would make a lot of sense to crown a domestic champ um i feel like maybe we way. need to get karen on the podcast and she can just give us a basically basically <laughs> i'm like oh, we're we're drowning here we're drowning yeah, like here. teach
2: us about stardom karen and then like tell us what direction to go in to uh you know where to
1: dip our toes in and what's the best entry yeah, point basically i think that's that's probably a fair a fair point but i, I think Fundamentally, I think the idea is, is the best position, Dave, is to say, like, yes, I, I, I would go off your direction in terms of it's, and they've already booked it that way. The tournament is structured, so it's going to be stardom wrestler yeah. versus foreign talent in the yeah. final. So, and I like that.
2: I just think that they should definitely do
1: crown the stardom champ, crown stardom as the first champ, because that's, it, you'll always remember the first champ let it let it go to someone that's domestic and build that and in a lot of ways build that brand so that when forbidden door eventually does happen that that person coming in is someone that people don't see very often you know like whoever that person actually yeah. is is seen as like a real it's a real special attraction because they're one of the best wrestlers in the world that you wouldn't otherwise see on a week-to-week basis for you know whichever audience
2: And the lead up to forbidden door you could have uh the iwgp women's champ as like a traveling champ yeah doing a tour before it
1: yep yeah just to get people just to Just to make people
2: aware of what's happening and getting them over there so they could do some shows in
1: aew and well i think obviously you know those those crossovers happening in in october in new york with the stardom wrestlers coming over for those new japan strong or new japan of america shows I think that's going to have a really big impact.
0: That'd be really cool to watch. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing more fun than watching someone just like defend their championship against multiple people and then traveling around. That'd be really cool and great way to get eyes.
2: Yeah. Like, take it to strong, bring it to Australia, you know.
1: Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like how it becomes (laughs) very selfish pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I take the strong, bring it down to Tamashi. It's, you know, whatever you want to do. You know, that's it. we got a show in November. Yeah, just bring it down, please. <laughs> um, I said I, 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 from what I've seen of of Stardom wrestling, it's something unlike anything else that exists in the. Uh, it's amazing the pro wrestling landscape. So, yeah. uh, I think it'd be really interesting. And again, I'm excited to sort of uncover that space of. Uh, as I said, we can become the true Bushi Road warriors, and um, you know, travel the Bushi Road fully by engaging with both sides of their pro wrestling product. Okay, uh, we've got another question this week from uh, at Puro Pizza Power, Pure Pizza Power on Twitter. Tremendous follower and listener and supporter of the show.
0: Love your pizza, absolutely love your stuff, mate.
1: Yeah, yeah, the the triple P. Um, if New Japan Pro Wrestling were to let you guys have the power to decide the direction of the next documentary or docu series on World, what would your subject of choice be? This is a tremendous question. It's almost like a dating game question, to be honest. It's very, uh, a, a new prompt, adding an extra P, a prompt, repeat the power prompts. Date number one.
0: <laughs> well, uh, Triple P, I would uh, pick Torriano, And uh, we would oh, work together uh, as we had uh, my favorite slice of pizza, which is an everything on top, stacked on top, stacked on top. Uh, no, I, I would honestly love to see a deep dive on Yano and actually go through and see his professional background and sort of like where he got to being the comedic wrestler that he is right now.
1: That'd be interesting. Like um, yeah. discover the tragedy behind the comedian.
0: <laughs> I'm sure there's better people out there that you could like, you know, Tai Chi and a few others like that. But
1: I don't know how much I want to know about Tai Chi. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I'm like, oh that it's just that when i saw that question that was the first thing i thought of was that well was, the man
1: has a lot of dvds right so you could do a behind the scenes making of his his the making, DVD. Of the making of yeah yeah
0: no i just i i just thought if I, that would be really cool i'd like to see like yano like but yano the real yano you know what i mean like what's he like right now like you know behind the stage yeah you know what's what was he like growing up that made him go into the professional form of martial arts that he went into and then what led him towards into wrestling
2: I, uh, I'd i like to see a docu-series on, um, on excursions.
0: Ah, uh, that's a good one.
2: So, like, you follow a guy as they're about to leave New Japan as a young boy and where they go, like, they first arrive in Mexico or wherever they're going and their kind of first few interactions and their thoughts around what they're going to be doing there, fears, all that sort of stuff. And then the sort of slow implementation of character traits over that period. And then the how, like, so it would take a period of time, but their consideration on their return to New Japan, how they want to come back, what informs the character and all that sort of stuff. So I think that would be like a long, like as a long form sort of episodic thing. You could make an episode a month. Rather than an episode every week or anything, but or
1: you just sit with it and you just wait and you just get yeah, just concept. do it
2: over a, over a series of three three years and then just release a two-part thing or something. I think that could be cool. Yeah.
1: I mean, I've always been a big fan. New Japan's documentaries have, have always been really good. Like the dojo ones they've done with Shibata and the one they did with Fale and stuff, they've always they're quite revealing. We go back to the you know the Jay White ones. Um and I like your idea there, Dave. It reminds me of the only time. And I think it's probably the only interview. I don't know if it's still available online, but when Jay White did Colt Cabana's art of wrestling podcast, and he was talking Mm. about his young lion experience and what he did and Colt Cabana struggling for maybe 20 minutes to figure out how Jay was getting paid twice. He kept trying to, he couldn't (laughs) believe that that existed. Like what? Like, you get paid a salary plus you get the bookings and it's all oh, like... my money
2: goes into my mum's bank account. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's nothing. I don't know why that's such a bad thing. It's, yeah, like, it's, it's like a shared it's bank account. It's just cheap shot. And... Yeah. Yeah. But and who doesn't
0: love their mum? Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: yeah I, I can think of, maybe I can think of one guy, but nonetheless, um, in any case, the, I like, That interview, and I do recommend if people could find it, it's it's actually like, because you don't get to hear much of Jay White ever talk about uh, anything outside of the Jay White character, but you hear everything from how they came up the idea of the switchblade and how he was concerned about um, the Razor Ramon sort of stuff that was being like, there was a lot of discussion around that as he was coming back. And it's, it's really interesting how he does that discussion. So I think a show or a series that's actually tracking that for a particular wrestler, like I'd give any money to see Yuya Uramura's, like what yeah. he's doing now, like maybe his hair care routine, you know, like that could be something really interesting. It's um, that... online. You can still find it. It's on YouTube. Awesome. Um, So it's, it's worth checking out. I have been thinking about this since I saw the question and I have, I have, I've been thinking, I was like, you know what they should, I think they should do. And I don't know if it would ever happen. I know that every week I get um, uh, Kieran out there on Twitter, always tweets out Tanahashi's blog. He has this blog he does each week and they sort of have some translations and they put it out every week. And his thoughts on his career is uh, fascinating. I would love for a Tana documentary that tracks his entire career as sort of the revolt, like as bringing new Japan, like the whole story of how he worked and what he did and, and just showing his, his role, because this week, I'm unbelievably on Twitter. um, Someone on Twitter, this is, I mean, Twitter is open for takes, but someone had a take that Tana was the worst ace to exist in new Japan pro wrestling. Cause, because Tana had the, uh, yeah, I mean, he also said he didn't draw, which is what yeah. I mean, is it the same guy that said that I mean, we'll talk about later the
2: same dude that said there's no stories in New Japan?
1: Uh, no, it wasn't that guy, but it's I think it's from the same ilk. um but the the position was because it was because Kana was having a shot at Mudo. He was saying that Kate, I mean, he said that keiji Mudo's matches were all about mudo and trying to get mudo over, and that, Tana said that he wanted to wrestle in a way that helped get both guys over and that he he never wanted to experience that like that. And everyone were like, oh, oh, like, oh, how dare he shoot like, I mean, but is he wrong? Like they called Tana a lot of things, but they didn't yeah. call him wrong. Um, and nonetheless, I think that guy is fascinating because he has an opinion on wrestling and what he believes, the philosophy, and he says it. And when they did that Forbidden Door um, documentary, and when they were doing like hearing people talk it's like he's a really captivating subject because he's got so much gravitas to what he says so i would love a series that somehow tracks the uh the the rise of the ace or like the
0: you um, could call it, um the last air guitar <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean i
2: like i like that idea i like the idea of um all the dads get in the documentary series. I'd love to see one of those on Suzuki. How cool would that be? Like,
1: Yeah, cause... I was actually watching a thing with Bass Rutten talking about a bunch of his knockouts and stuff he did in Pancrase. And he was talking about Suzuki because he was the first guy to beat Suzuki. And he was like explaining about how he learned this heel hook off Suzuki. He'd seen Suzuki do it and he just tried it and <laughs> broke some guy's shin. And he's like, yeah. I didn't know exactly how to do it, but I'd seen him do it. Dude has got such an interesting... Career in terms yeah. of like how influential he is in the world of mixed martial arts, and yet not for largely forgotten. But when people think Pancrase, a lot of people think you know Shamrocks or whatever, and yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, Suzuki's yeah. there. Like imagine hearing the story of
2: like told by Nagata about being forced to fight in Pride, and
1: yeah, or for fighting Crocop, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought at the time. Fuck and then he made <laughs> me in the face and I thought double yeah. fuck. Like <laughs> and I didn't think again for a few Imagine days. that, like a nokia's is in the documentary. Yeah. Like.
0: So um there there you go, Triple P. We have <laughs> We yeah, gave you something. Yano, excursions and whatever Josh said. Yeah. dad, <laughs> dad <laughs> Dads.
1: Dads. All about the dads. Um okay, on to I'm a uh, dad
0: man. dude dude
1: Yes, um that is yes, Sisame Daddy. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> okay, on to Miss J Doom at Miss Doom. The uh,
0: Southern Thirst herself. Southern
1: Thirst, which is in the bio now, Red. In the bio. <laughs> so the she bio. has adopted that, that in her bio. Yep. Has adopted that as a <laughs> one of her monikers.
0: There we go. Um, so we go.
1: lovely to see. Um so she asks, hi, yes, longtime listener uh obviously i've integrated that in catchphrase now into the show uh so i just remembered this uh miss doom celebrated her birthday this week so happy birthday happy birthday, happy to
0: birthday southern thirst you little firecracker you all the way over in the a you beauty
1: that's there you go you can have that one um yeah. that, that one's for free and uh if so she asked a couple of questions here um if ELP wins King of Pro Wrestling, because um, obviously there's, you know, ELP versus Shingo sort of is on the horizon sometime, what kind of matches do you think he will attempt? Uh, that's a just that as a, fire, a quick fire question. What kind of matches? Because obviously King of Pro Wrestling, you can pick whatever you want, basically, um, in terms of how you want to wrestle. So what do we think ELP will want to do? Most back breaks within five minutes. <laughs> Break the match. Well, could could they do a hands like a handstands? <laughs> like, you can only win by a handstand. You can only wrestle on the top rope. Oh, that's an interesting. One rope play the match. Yeah, rope rope play.
0: Rope what play. was the other ball play? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I mean, it'd be
1: kinky as shit. Yeah. Oh, what wouldn't it? Wouldn't it yeah. be? there would be. there would be mean, overtones.
0: This is kind of cheesy, but he is Canadian. So maybe a lumberjack match.
1: Oh, there you go, Red. Mm. Hello to our Canadian listeners. Mm. Um, Hey, yo. (laughs) I I think that's close. I'm not sure. I've never (laughs) met Um, a Canadian. Yeah. uh, (laughs) I do think, uh, I don't know. The answer is, I I think it'd be, I would love for him to be creative. I think the King of Pro Wrestling, uh, when Shingo and... Tai Chi. They really, they really started to test the form, and I think it really has picked up the steam. Obviously, the King of Pro Wrestling has sort of gone by the wayside a bit during G1 season, and Shingo has uh, retired the trophy and is seeking a larger trophy of some description. I don't know what he's, so we'll see a brand new trophy at some point. Um, so I don't know, but I'd like to see him try some more creative stuff. I think he's got that capacity. So the New Japan can use this tie, use this stipulation to you know, inter- integrate interesting sort of captivating matches that could be potentially, um, you know, could, could attract. Like, if they're in a Western space and elp has got it and he says, I want to do a ladder match, I think that could be interesting. You know, like, people would be like, "Oh, a New Japan ladder match is very rare. Yeah, for good reason. We did see the last one at Wrestle Kingdom, yeah. Well, it wasn't even a ladder match. They just got a ladder out.
0: Like, yeah. <laughs> just uh- I was gonna say, I really hope it's not a ladder match because that's so tried and true, and that's such a, I think, a Western thing. Like, if he if he turned around and said, like, uh, "Piranha, Piranha's in a tank match" or like something, but I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say, like, yeah, you know, you want to, you
1: want to go like full, you you want like full, like indie Japanese promotion, yeah. Approach.
0: Yeah. 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 Like sumo. Well, then I think
1: you probably have to keep it on Shingo or top. like that's, he mm. seems like the guy that has the crazy ideas when it comes to that sort of stuff. So I don't really know. I don't really know what he would do. Uh, as Dave said, lumberjack match. Cool. Uh, Dave is saying something kinky and I'm going very basic, but I just think I would like King of pro wrestling to be used as a way to get those type of basic gimmick matches in there and use sparingly. Um, if at all, um, uh, off the back of that, do you think, Miss asked, Do you think Shingo will get back in the running for the top title for the world heavyweight title? So, off the back of this, um, I mean, it looks like Miss Doom's conspiracy booking here because she's got ELP winning and Shingo moving on. So, do we think Shingo will get back in the running for the top title? Now, I know by following Miss Doom, I think Shingo might be uh, might be the might be a guy. So, uh, do we think Shingo? will get back into the running for the top title and give uh, Mr. Doom something to cheer about.
0: Yes, of course. He's one of the best wrestlers in the entire world. And his entire world title run, unfortunately, wasn't that well seen. Like, There's no fault of his and no fault of the company and stuff like that. The guy literally is one of the best wrestlers in the entire world.
1: Very true, Red. But you could also make that argument about Prime Era Tomohiro Ishii and he ain't getting a sniff of that belt. I would say not anytime soon. Yeah.
2: I think there's there's a bit too much going on with the the tippy top guys. <clears throat> so not this year. Who knows how next year will play out. But I think the story of this year is kind of not set, but I think the guys are sort of set. It'll be Jay, Naito, Okada,
1: Will. Yeah, I think that's it. I think put it this way and this is if osprey is able to get himself into a consistent position at the top then shingo will always be in the running because those two will always find a way to get back at each other they'll always find a way like they'll always go back to that match at some point they're like oh shit we need a banger (laughs) let's let's just book this a two-month story for this um I'm with you, Red. I would love to see it because I think you're right. Shingo, for those watching through the pandemic, and it's obvious, like, as we know, uh, Miss Doom was started watching through the pandemic. So obviously she was seeing Shingo get that that elevation. was like, holy shit, this guy's great, uh, which he is. Uh, but it was a type of, it was like being a pandemic era champ. And it's like, was that just an opportunity for them to take a risk and try to make a guy and really never go back there, but always have that as like your golden watch of like, it always gives him credibility. Like he'll always have credibility because he is, he's a world champion, you know? Um, and he also probably sits there and makes Godot incredibly mad, but to some extent that's, I think I see Shingo as this generation's like, and he's not that much younger, but I, I've, I've said it before. I think he's going to be the issue of this era where he is always counted on for great matches. You can heat him up for a, a top position, but I don't know if he ever gets back to the, to the promised land as, as war champion, but is, I'd like to be wrong.
0: His charisma alone and his ability inside of the ring. I would find it very difficult to not see him get back to that position. Again, I'd be, I'd, I'd find it very difficult to not see them want to elevate him again. And put him in that spot because the guy he is just he reeks of charisma. And when you have that ability of perfect wrestler, you know, it's like, you know, you, you have all these great guys in new Japan, but, you also think about too, like internationally, Shingo is really well known. The guy yeah, is respected, is, yeah, uh, and respected, yeah. So,
1: so could, um, he, be benef- could, he, could, he, could he be better suited for a US title position? You know,
2: that's what I was thinking. Uh, maybe like I was thinking US title before world heavyweight title. Um, elevate it, yeah. To elevate the title, I don't. I'm not saying I don't think he can't get
1: back there. I think he can. I just don't think it's happening soon doesn't look like it. he's not really positioned for that. The G one G1 didn't really sort of signal anything that could be potentially in that direction. Um, well, he's,
0: he's winning the G1 next year. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, it, it's going to be an open field next year. That's for sure. Uh, this is a dangerous question. Um, has the world become, Mr. Doom Also asks, has the world become a better place since the Golden Lovers reunited or is it just me? And Red is wearing a Golden Lovers t-shirt and is proudly showing it off.
0: I, 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 even though it's a, a audio medium, I deliberately wore this T-shirt just for you, Southern Thirst. I haven't taken this shirt off since I saw that Instagram <laughs> picture. I've been wearing it now for a week. Yes, it's, it's, it's wearing
2: you at this point. So I've missed this completely. I'm assuming Kenny and Kato
1: are kissing in Japan. Yeah. So Kenny's in Japan at the moment kenny's back in japan on suspension in japan at a he wanted some time off basically and uh, he's over in the set the video game convention or something um and he caught up so there was there were they were showing photos on the timeline of them catching up for a drink and playing video games and getting back together and talking about things and the like so um interesting yes.
0: Yeah, the world—the world is always a better place when those two get back together. Because I don't know,
1: they—I mean, a typhoon immediately happened. So I don't know if this, <laughs> that, that bodes well.
0: I can guarantee though, they both probably try to take on that typhoon and fight I it with. I'll tell you, the one
1: man on. definitely tried, uh, but the yeah, I, I don't know. I I'm—I mean, I'm look, look, I'm a the Golden Lovers have a special place in the discourse. They certainly drive a lot of fervent debate and discussion. And they, uh, I don't know what the future holds for both characters. Uh, I think Kotorobushi is very unlikely to be back in New Japan Pro Wrestling.
2: I think almost the only way Kotorobushi comes back to New Japan Pro Wrestling
1: is if Kenny does. Kenny. As the Golden Lovers, yeah.
2: Yeah. I think
1: you're probably right. Um, It's going to require a, lot of Jesus. politicking and I, I honestly time probably has helped and the fact that there hasn't been any more explosive claims um coming out from either side I guess or you know uh so that's that's a positive but I just think ultimately good for them. Um I hope they find happiness in whatever they're doing. Um <laughs>
0: But yeah, I mean, like, who doesn't love seeing one of their favorite and most beloved tag teams and two of like, you know, your favorite wrestlers in the world who are clearly good friends catching up for a brewski? I mean, yes, Miss Doom, the world is a better place to see friends catch up and love each other.
1: And what friends don't share a drink with two straws in the drink? Like, it's just just good, solid, wholesome friends.
0: If you guys ever see us out, we always have one pitcher and three straws.
1: Three, we do yep, three yep. straws in a drink. That's, yep. we do that all the time and we we put our fists in as well so that's yep.
0: we're renowned for it yep and that's also the same way we eat food uh the same way we share beds yep.
2: <laughs> if, you, if you see us at the show in november please buy
1: us a beer and three straws we'll provide the, no we'll provide the straws we we bring we carry the straws on us we're always prepared uh Bring us, just buy us one beer
0: with got straws. Year. Make sure it's a full string because there's three of us. White <laughs> no, beers are mid-string.
1: Yes. Okay. Uh, good God. This is going to be dangerous come November. No. Uh, my God. That's going to be uh, a
0: lot. <laughs> it's, going
1: to be a- it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, okay. Thank you, Miss Doom. She also says, love you guys. So, ah, oh, just the best.
0: Well, um, when we have merch, we'll get it ready and send you something.
1: Yeah, when that'll be, you know, it may be uh maybe your next birthday by the time we emerge. <laughs> uh, next question. Uh, the Seattle Mariners uh at Steve Lawless asks, what do you think will happen with Ishimori once his run with the junior belt ends? Since ELP is now a heavyweight, he's left without a tag partner. Ooh, smellness from Steve. Mm-hmm. What do we think is up with Ishimori once his run with the junior belt ends? It's sort of a sort of forget that he is the junior champ and hasn't really re- defended it in a long time. Mm. He's paired with Kushida at the moment. That's the direction they're going. Because um, I have I, I have an idea where he might head. Uh, face turn? House of Torture.
0: Oh, yeah. I could see that. Yeah.
1: Him I'm and show. Gonna... Something's on with that Bullet Club stuff. I'm not exactly sure what it will be, but... Um, Either that, or if it's, it, it may be an Ace Austin or something like that that comes in as the conventional choice. But I feel like he's. I've always felt like Bullet Club's going to split down the line in terms of domestic talent and uh, foreign. And go talent. back to old. Yeah, I feel it's going to go like House Tour is going to be like um, its own separate group at some point, or, or some something of that like and um, and. Bullet Club's going to just be the the foreign guys.
2: Yeah, the the Ishimori thing is interesting because uh, he's a guy that almost feels like a placeholder champion at the moment while uh, the other guys at the top figure some shit out. Yeah. Uh, And he's been given this kind of Kushida thing because it's
1: their history. Deraille there, Dave. But is it just me or is this Kushida thing felt incredibly flat?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like like conspicuously so. Almost uneventful. Yes. Which seems very strange because obviously
0: they don't do things by they do things by design. So everything that happens. You'd
1: hope so, right? And also I can't imagine he's cheap. So like he would have options when Kashida left New Japan. He would have had options, Ness left NXT. So I'm and he lives in the States. He's in California, so he's moved to California now. So he's he's working at the dojo, which I think is really awesome. Um, but but the the reason I ask is because Ishimori was the guy who beat Kashida on his last match. Mm. So when and that so they've returned to that story. Um, something's going to happen with Kashida. I think that's my gut feeling. I don't know what but something's going to happen with him. Maybe that spurs on Ishimori to something. So maybe if I don't want to say Kashida's joining bullet club
2: (laughs) yeah i mean Ishimori is another one of those guys it seems like they're kind of in a position of like a bit stagnant nothing has really happened i mean he's the champ but nothing is really he's not the one in the division with the big stories coming out of uh the best of super juniors or even what recently happened with despy and uh you know Hiromu winning yeah um, he's like the he's another guy that you know, well, I mean, his story is with Kushida, but it's barely been
1: featured. Yeah, it's 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 like the junior championship. I mean, Kevin Kelly constantly says it, but he says like the junior belt is secondary to Hiromu. Like that's his been his argument, like Hiromu's star power is the key in that division, and the belt's second. I think the belt's probably slipped behind despi now too. So mm. It's it's sort of sitting there waiting for something. Yeah. Uh, uh sorry, ishimura is the ultimate put it on him guy, and we'll just placeholder it and he'll he'll give a solid effort or you know, in these key matches. And he's he's a credible champion, but he's not necessarily the type that's going to be driving a lot of um you know, I don't I don't find him to be a guy that necessarily drives a lot of interest for the type of wrestling that I I like personally. Um so yeah, I don't really know.
0: I think it's amazing. I think his in ring work is sensational. Oh, it is. So- There's no doubt about that. No yeah. doubt about that at all. He brings a really cool sort of like high intensity to everything that he does. Oh
1: yeah, I think it's because I think because everything looks faster because he's got such small yeah. limbs. Yeah. You know, he just sort of moves quick. But yeah, but as
2: far as the story goes and Ishimori the character, there isn't a lot really going on. No. No, what's the what's a bone soldier? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, whatever, that can just be a name. It can but but, but but
1: what is it? like the,
2: the, the, but yeah, but like that I mean but this yeah, but what is he? Who is he? You don't really ever get that insight with Ishimori. So, as far as like yeah, having great matches and being a great wrestler, yes, he is those things. But character, maybe I mean, I would have thought the Kushida stuff perhaps would have been an opportunity to bring that out I maybe to... it, maybe it
1: will, but wouldn't it be more featured if that was going to be the case? I would, you know what I would love to see, and it probably won't, it won't happen, but it, it's, it's interesting. I would love to see him get paired up or in a group or in some, a small group with Kentor again, because those guys being former Noah junior tag guys they've got a history in Noah together and they have wrestled together as in bullet club during some tours. And it's like, it's kind of a nice story of like the boys back together again. And it's kind of interesting that ELP has sort of left Ishimori and gone to Kenta. Um, so there is a sort of a connective tissue there, but he just needs, I just think he needs something to be, to sort of invest in. I've always found that Ishimura, I've never really found him a, a character all that in, you know, there's not much to get other than great matches and that's, for people that like great matches, that's not a bad thing. But yeah. um,
0: wasn't he brought in by Bullet Club Ridge, and they just to be like this junior complete ass kicker? Like yeah, he just Bone Soldiers, yeah, 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 which, he like, yeah which, which he is. And but I, I think I agree with the two of you right there. Is that we haven't seen any development in his character so far, and what do you really get from him outside of the fact that he has good matches? Like, we need to see more now. We've we've now gone through that. We want to start seeing a bit more of his development and what could it possibly be?
1: Well, at his, at his age, I don't really know whoever even has that, you know, whether that's something that's him too much other than, you know, I'll just put on good matches. And... But, but like a,
2: becoming part of House of Torture could be a thing and, yeah. and finding himself with, a, with
1: show as a tag team could be really cool. He's one of the few Bullet Club guys that still does cheaty things, so mm. there could yeah, be a good is, hint yeah. to that. Yeah, him and Show, and him mentoring Show. You know, Show's got a lot of similarity in terms of yeah, the, a bit of a Kanamaru
2: yeah. sort of role for yeah. Show.
1: that yeah. sort of physicality, kind of power, Junior kind of thing. That could that could give him something to to do. I think that would be interesting. Um, yeah, there's there's a direction at least. Yeah. <laughs> Ishomori, we can have like the get them together like (laughs) some something um okay on to the next question Uh, this one comes in from karen watches wrestling dave the karen the karen Karen, um the karen so um if 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 us uh borrowing her content hasn't uh hasn't we're going to now rely more on her insights from actually her writing in so it's great to see this have we've, we've reached across the internet and connected to Karen watches wrestling. This is what's great about uh, contemporary pro wrestling engagement. Isn't it really? That's kind of lovely. Really? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so Karen asks uh, with October nearing, how do you think Naito will get to the Tokyo dome? Could oh he squeeze into the main event scene? I think. Karen has found Dave. She's just like this is payback for like you know. <laughs> just, just ease it up on the amount of descriptions about my content, day. So here's one right to you. How's Naito going to be in the main event at the Tokyo Dome? Um, but first of all, where do we think he's going to end up, and do we think he could potentially make the main event? Well, yeah, I mean, of
2: course he can. He's Naito. Uh how?
1: He's also Naito.
2: That's he's also <laughs> Naito, and that's the beauty of Naito is, uh, I mean, just when you think you can't,
0: I, yeah. I love that as the answer. It's like how he's Naito, yeah. and how does he do it? He's Naito. Thank you. <laughs> Enjoy yeah. the show. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. uh, have
1: have have we ever been in in the? I mean, it's pretty unclear. I mean, we're only a couple of months away from from the dome, and he has. I mean he's currently working a program with Zach, but I don't think that's gonna sustain. And I think that's probably gonna play payoff at the uh England show.
0: And there wasn't really much built from the G1.
1: Yeah, other than yeah, other than the Zach story, not much else happening. It's I also like too before.
2: like if you if you're gonna do a big Naito Wrestle Kingdom story, like the one that all the fans want. Uh, like I would think that it would need to be something that is kind of clear, clearer for a longer period of time. Yeah. And it's very, like you said, short amount of time to get there. It's very unclear. Maybe he does this Wrestle Kingdom. He does something that isn't in the main event scene, but something very different. And, and then it's next year that they plan to do the, the big final Naito
0: story. Or perhaps the other side of it too is how Un Naito for a very shortened build, whereas we're also used to these long, you know, very highly built storylines with what Naito is doing and where he's going to the championship. What if it was just like a really, really quick thing that was sort of like developed and built up in a small amount of time? And it hot probably shot made- Naito, yeah, hotshot Naito. Like, mm. Mm. I mean, I'm just saying it's a, it could be a different route
1: what about i'll throw out ideas what about what about a return to a match we never got because the pandemic took it away naito haramu i mean they that's a way for haramu to main event, <laughs> main <laughs> event to figure, though. um I, I mean like if you want something short that needs to be done pretty quickly i don't know how you get to it narratively like i don't know how you get there but it that wouldn't take much other than Hiromu's just saying i want that match um, but I don't. I don't really know. I don't know how you. I mean, I guess if Osprey's not got Omega, they might revisit that that uh, semi final. But it's hard. It's really hard to know. I, I struggle with where.
2: It's hard because no, but because nothing else is
1: really clear either,
2: other than that Okada's wrestling in the main event yeah. for the title.
1: And I think it has to be Jay, right? It has to be, unless Naito beats Jay and that sends Jay on his way. But do you send Naito
2: into Wrestle Kingdom as champ? As champ,
1: champ? yeah. It's, that doesn't feel very Naito, does it? No. No. It, like Red said, like though, maybe you do something that's not very Naito. That's not Naito at all. But uh, yeah, like, but to go in as...
2: I mean, that's like, but then it's not been done before.
1: No, but you better have a story for Jay. Yeah, which I'm sure they do. But you'd have to have a match for Jay at Wrestle Kingdom too. So some very, I mean, look, it's there's kind of a bit of me that's very kind of excited about this prospect because normally this time of year, we're pretty sure where right. we're going, all right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, what about this? Right. Naito beats Jay. Puts him into the main event against Kazuchika Yep. Jay oh, then becomes the special guest referee.
2: <laughs> I love this Red Booking. Yeah. Red he, conspiracy getting... books in Japan with, uh, with a little bit of
1: WWF. Flair. I love how Red Book is <laughs> upset about me putting in Western stipulations. He wants Japanese stipulations, but then he conspiracy books immediately into like WWF <laughs> brain. It's like... I love it. Um. I think the main event is Stretch. So do I. I. I think this year of all years, it feels like I, I feel like I should go to Okada J, but they've done Okada Naito so many times, and you know how Gato books. He loves to run a rivalry for a year. He just loves it. Yeah. And they were teasing. Everyone was expecting Okada Naito as the G1 final. That was the
0: ex- expectation. And we don't know if they have cheering for Wrestle Kingdom. We don't know that yet, no. no. If they have cheering, if cheering is allowed, it's Naito Arcada.
1: I mean, is it is it outside the realm of possibility that Naito just has one of those? Like, you can't, you're probably not expecting a gigantic, you know, a big drawing, uh, um, Wrestle Kingdom due to the all the still constraints and that he has a down year where well, he's like,
0: could he squeeze into the main event? Yes, most likely of course Uh, to answer that one as bluntly as we possibly could but i mean like right now as you guys were saying it seems like it's going to be jay okada and it you know probably would make sense for naito to sort of like have a step back from that scene and just have an absolute banger at wrestle kingdom i mean it's happened before
1: the key for this remember is to get to that point you'd have to beat jay and there aren't a lot of shows after after decoration of power in which you can. Really, that would be a big enough. Like, if you went J, it has to be J Naito. That's a big, that's a yeah, big yeah, that's match. a big,
2: big match. You'd want to put that on a marquee event.
1: Yeah, and it's only really the, the, the I don't know what the, the new struggle, the Power Struggle Tour, whatever they've called that now. So that's not normally a place where you do a, ma- a match of that size. So I don't know. I It's a good question, and um, so. Stump, <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised if it's something. It's a. It could be a, an outsider, you know, a big attraction kind of. Match. Mox. oh Mox Nito. Mm. Oh yes, please. That would be. I mean, shit, like Mox
2: Nito for the AEW Championship. Cool. I'll have that all day long. Oh.
1: I think I actually think Mox Nito has
0: a. Well, that's I mean, if, you, if you're going to build something to Wrestle Kingdom in the and short term, on that
1: time, like, yeah. Well, Mox's whole gimmick, Mox's whole gimmick is I'm big game hunting. I'm the boogeyman. I'm, I just call my shot mm. and that's his character. So it would make sense to him just to randomly call out Knighter and be like, oi, <laughs> you, mm. like,
0: then you could have a whole thing in AEW with Jericho and Mox fighting each other to get the chance to take on Naito, which then could potentially bring more eyeballs over to the Wrestle well, Kingdom.
1: I think, I think, I mean, if Mox comes to Wrestle Kingdom, the eyeballs are going to come there. Yeah, right? I think that's the thing. I think Jericho and Shooter is a possibility. Yes, yeah. do that. I think that's a possibility for Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> Fuck yes! <laughs> Give me that fucking shit! <laughs> I, think it, I think it's a possibility. So, um, but so, yeah. If Mo- I think if Mox is on Wrestle Kingdom, he has to be wrestling a top guy. Yeah, yeah. He's wrestled Tana. Um, Naito
2: is a came- co-main event.
1: That would fucking be you. Mox Naito. Yeah, AEW Championship. If 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 Mox has it at that stage. Yeah. But it's, there's a there's a possibility he'll have it. It's, you know, better than better than fifty fifty chance or you know they'll have it. Um will they let him off tv for one week to do it that oh, come impression. on wrestle kingdom
0: <laughs> TV you reckon, one you know, week.
1: mox is like mate i i i got i came back at, out of my vacation for two weeks to do yeah. this you owe yeah. me two dates
2: exactly yeah yeah i was meant to be on holiday for six weeks yeah. i want wrestle kingdom <laughs> yeah <basically. laughs> i can so see him saying that
0: too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: i want naito at wrestle kingdom thanks with the belt
1: <laughs> I'm taking the belt with me. That's the key. That's the key of the whole thing. Is that to some extent, Naito is that he's the white buffalo in the sense that he didn't come of He has not been. So he's that sort of real special attraction that, and for the type of people that know, and we've seen this match before, mm. and it's mm. it slaps. Mm. The sexual tension is it's a thing. Yeah, like, it's a <laughs> it's thing. A thing. <laughs> it's, a, it's definitely a thing. It's a thing. So. It's like Uh, it's like uh, you know if wrestling was edging. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The the you've never seen a one man in Mox want to like he he was so close to climaxing forty (laughs) seven times before they touched. He just wanted to engage and and he was being he was just being held and withheld constantly. Well, it's it's
0: such a perfect story of like Mox being so keen to touch him and Naito being so slow and withdrawn. Yeah, and it's like. like, rolling yeah. out
1: of the ring, yeah. That's that's the dynamic, right? That is the dynamic of those two guys. Is Mox is hyper, like he's a hyper active, like balls the wall, let's go, let's. And Nido's the opposite, they have tremendous chemistry. So, I like that suggestion. All, I think if you're gonna others... hot shot, if you're going hot shot Nido. Oh, not let's not that. And, and yeah.
0: just, just keep in mind, that was me who said that. Last
1: question Dr. Jonathan is back at, at Jonathan Foy, Dr. Jonathan. The doctor
0: uh, of uh, geology. No, nah, that's a different doctor. Different doctor. Okay, yeah. still a doctor though. <laughs> still an actual doctor. Still an actual doctor. Yep. Uh, we're, all, we're all doctors here.
1: <laughs> you're we're, you're in a you're a member of a learned podcast here. Um, so, Jonathan asks, "What are your thoughts on the recent increase in New Japan Pro Wrestling wrestlers appearing in other promotions?" Both All Japan and NOAA have featured them prominently lately. So yes, for people that are unaware, New Japan has had um, the dads have basically been sent out uh, with uh, Satoshi Kojima wrestling at NOAA, winning their title for a period during the this year, and Nagata doing a bunch of dates for All Japan. Uh, what are our thoughts on New Japan? Apparently, seemingly... Uh, sort of crossing those, going back to a little bit of uh, cross-promotion and integration that they had sort of avoided for the last, you know, decade?
0: Well, I mean, strengthening relationships. So, you know, going forward. So, I mean, it only makes sense because all three promotions have good quality wrestlers. They have a big following. So, I mean, why wouldn't they try and strengthen relationships? This is not the New Japan of old. This is well, a New Sort of like going forward.
1: Big followings is a is a interesting position, Red, because NOAA is the second. It's got a big financial backing. But if you look at the overall like interest in terms of like engagement, revenue, everything, New Japan is it's it's not a monopoly, but it's 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 the WWE of Japan in terms of its scale compared to the other promotions.
2: I also think that it allows them to tell different stories by uh sending guys to those companies and then potentially bringing guys from those companies to New Japan we've seen with guys like Tai Chi Sonata etc etc like the the like how that can add to the different um uh, styles. Like, yeah Styles landscape you know just I don't know. It just adds an element, you know, the whole Shibata story, and it just just adds another another thing that makes New Japan interesting. Another um, aspect. So I'm there, all is there for a fear it. There, I mean, though, that
1: they'll take talent. Dave, is that not a fear for those companies that they're sending out little feelers, like look, sending a guard? I mean, there's only
2: there. so many spots, though, right? True. So. I mean, last thing you want is a uh, roster inflation like what you got at AEW. Yeah. Uh, and there's, I mean, New Japan only really ever has, I mean, they've got enough of their homegrown talent coming across. So they're not going to try and steal guys, all the guys full time. No. Um, I think they see the value in bringing guys across, you know, like a Takeshita sort of that idea of a dude who's been in AEW. Um, it also probably allows for strengthening relationships across the pond to in the States. I only see it as a positive thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you, it does. I mean, I, I don't. I just think it's New Japan being fairly comfortable in their position. You know, I don't, they're so. Much yeah. Because about.
2: it doesn't, it doesn't feel like what it would feel like if it's the fed, right? The fed, it feels like it's a domination thing. It's like to steal a, the talent and push everything down and make it feel like you know we are the only universe of pro wrestling that exists and our fans only know of us. Yeah. And uh, you know before these guys wrestled here, they didn't wrestle anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um. It's not that everything. You know, well, we had a massive conversation about it last week. Like that, everything has history and the history is uh, talked about, and that becomes part of the like learning about all these different guys and it informs yeah. their characters and all that sort of stuff so i, I think it's a friendly thing more well, i think so it also yeah.
1: doesn't hurt it's like a reverse version of like it doesn't hurt that you send a Kajima to noah who then is book, booked as your, the champion of noah that it's basically like our opening card guy is your champion you know like it's a it mm. sort of elevates the company and its status because of the quality of wrestlers that they have, I guess.
2: And to you know, with the pandemic, it's forced their hand somewhat because yeah. they haven't been able to send you know, like the House of Torch did that bit through like, Glee. Um, oh, Glee. Apologies, it's Glee. It forced their hand. Yeah. Uh, so why not continue with the goodwill? in case uh crazy shit happens but
1: a positive of sending guys to glate is that we get el linderman in the best super genius. yeah exactly so but if you're glate you're also concerned about el linderman going to new japan for a month tour and them getting their fucking hooks into him and being like oh what could we do for you son you know um Yeah, so it's but always that's, a concern. But, that's, but that's also the beauty of New Japan, right? Like different aspects
2: of the company, different divisions get featured throughout the year. So there's no reason why he can't do two, three months and then head back to Glade and do two, three months and then head back to New Japan. Like it's not like he's going to be uh, a featured act every yeah. month.
1: Yeah, that's true. I, I've I think it's just an interesting space that we find ourselves in where New Japan's at a point where during the pandemic they had to they had to rely on but they never what I found interesting about the relationship was they never really brought a lot of guys across they could have brought from those promotions to help sort of help, you know, diversify the roster or di- like they, they had opportunities to bring people across, but they didn't bring them to their TV, but they've they've gone the other way. And I just think it's interesting. I don't know what they're... Maybe
2: they're looking is. at it from a historical perspective too. Like when they haven't, when the rise of one company has seen the downfall of others and how good is that for the business in Japan? Yeah. Like, so all Japan was running hot. New Japan was kind of in, yeah, in the trouble. shit, bit, yeah. you know, so maybe they figure, well, in order to keep the, the industry strong and healthy, we need to improve relationships with all these companies and keep, Keep the whole business as a whole going, uh, and if that means sending guys, uh, then why not? Let's keep it strong in Japan. If we want to, if we want to grow across, then let's grow here as well.
1: I I, I guess that's probably a nice. Uh, you know, that would be the idealistic, like it'd be nice if that was the position. And maybe it is because they look at the guys they have and many of them have come from those other smaller companies. So they see it as, well, you know, if those are strong, then you'll get your Shingos and you'll get, I mean, let's not forget, Okada came out of Toromon. So like there's guys that weren't always in that system. They were developed elsewhere and then brought through. So yeah, like the benefit of that is who spotted them um, and how do we how do we support support those spaces because at the end of the day new japan is an international company and sort of uh that's the way they want to position themselves so they probably see it as an opportunity to sort of i guess you know they can both affirm their role in the company in the in the country but also support to some extent the smaller companies but
0: i'd say less lessons were learned during the pandemic and they yeah just basically this is them going forward. They're all just gonna have to start. Well, no, they're probably just trying to bridge relationships and just like going forward. So you know, just to sort of like basically be have a new working ethos together.
1: Yeah, that'd be nice. And but I mean, the reality is is Noah's company's got more money than Bushiroad, so Noah's the most backed. But um I thought it is interesting that they are working with Noah, like sending Greta Khan. It's, it's interesting, but it i hope i mean if noah suddenly became a threat the top
2: spot maybe the relationship (laughs) sour a little bit i'd say that might be Uh Uh, but while that's not necessarily
1: um (laughs) gonna happen anytime
2: soon maybe we're quite
1: happy to have that's kind of what it feels like kind of feels like we'll help you out to make sure that the industry's solid but we're not going to help you out too much too much (laughs) we don't want you coming for us but i think they the reality (laughs) is i think they They present very different products. That's what I really like about the Japanese pro wrestling is each one's got its own house style and they do their own things. And um, there are talent that can cross over, but at a at whole like over in the in the sort of the collective, it's they're they're very different presentations. So there's something for everyone in those spaces. And yeah, I think that as long as the the pro wrestling is is strong, I think the pandemic really fed rail. I think it just reinforced that they, they realize what's important about pro wrestling and they wanted to support it. And it's not like they're sending Naito or something. They're, they're sending certain yeah. types of characters across, mm. um, but it's also good for those guys, you know, which is still going to
2: be big time feature oh, acts in those smaller Kojima, companies. Kojima,
1: Like, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Kojima going like a, a Nagata going, that's a legend that's going across. And yeah. also how invaluable for those young guys that are in those companies that here comes a Nagata in, you know, like yeah. that's, that's awesome.
0: That's exactly it. Let's and... grow, let's grow wrestling in Japan together
1: yeah so i i think that'd be nice i'd love to uh if if all the companies you know held hands and jumped in the mouth of the serpent that'd be lovely but i'm not Hmm. entirely sure that's exactly the overall goal but i do think to some extent it's just let's let's um let's be in this together gentlemen
0: there's now time to hit the second rope
1: oh so uh, we've gone to it red it's now second so we, we don't have a third rope right we're at no,
0: the, the, thing, the, third, the third
1: rope is when we end the show. Okay. Yeah. We end on the third rope.
0: Yeah, yeah. End on the third rope.
1: Always. That's good. We're at the point now of the actual body of the show. The as Red said, hit the ropes, hit the ropes. So it's it's it'll catch on, Red. Don't worry. Yeah. Um each of us, uh, as Red has famously said, has an assignment. Apparently, we bring an assignment, but each of us have a, an area that we like to talk to. Um that hopefully we can talk around and come to some understanding of what we actually mean, who, I mean, I'm, I'm open to seeing who wants to go first. I'm always, you know, keen to talk, but I'm happy to open it up, Brad. I know you're very excited about your, your approach. If you'd like to go, it's
0: no, I mean, look, if you boys want me to go first, I am honored and I am blessed and I am more than happy to die.
1: Yeah. Because yours is going to be at least coherent so like I know (laughs) yeah let's do that we don't know
0: about that we don't it's got a structure
1: it's got some it's got a structure and like things
0: look I mean the thing about me is that this thing of wrestling that I absolutely love and adore and it's like why aren't you more into it like, why aren't you into this level of nerdism that I'm into? Like, why aren't you into that?
1: <laughs> why don't you like what I like?
0: Why don't you like what I like? And, and, you know, so like when people do ask me what, you know, when they find out that I've got a podcast, because I just randomly tell everyone. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, they, they know how. <laughs> when they
2: find out, when I shove it down their throat.
0: <laughs> and, then, and then when the conversation eventually leads to people saying like, oh, what's New Japan? And I'm like, oh, it's wrestling. I like sumo. It's like, no, it's like sumo. It's it's professional, but it's like MMA meets luchador, meets storyline, meets brilliance. And I
2: love how luchador is one of your descriptions for yeah. always helps help qualify luchador. it for me. Like, ah uh, yes.
0: Meets yeah, British style, meets all these different beautiful forms of wrestling. And I'm always trying to pinpoint where can i go to to go look you know check out this match check out this match and you know and it was just about having my mount rushmore of of who i will always draw upon for bangers to tell people so if you want to if you want a banger just go and check this guy out now so i'm, I'm gonna... like
1: your, your gateway boys
0: yes exactly and so i've got three matches <laughs> <laughs>
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, ring, ring, hello, yes, as you. All right. Yes.
0: Yeah. And, and eventually that all led down to the roads of like the hard drugs, like Tai Chi for all yeah. of us sickos. Yeah. Um, and so what I've done is I've gone through and I have to like. Uh,
1: Sorry, Red. Continue. No, no. <laughs> Josh is derailing it easily. <laughs> it's okay. okay. Well, we're switching roles. <laughs>
2: we're listening red sorry mate no, okay. gateway boys through me that's all <laughs> yeah. did, did they <laughs>
0: <laughs> these are the gateway boys that i would i would recommend for people and the list was huge like and just so you know honorable mentions i have to cut people out because i really thought about it because how did you determine how to cut the list yes now i love how you asked this question now The reason why I chose to cut people out is based off, so for example, Shibata. Now, I adore Shibata, every single part of him, but watchability for someone who's never actually ever seen New Japan and coming into that style and watching that match may not be the easiest thing for them to watch. While I can appreciate his brilliance and know that he is one of the absolute best wrestlers of all time, hell, his name is The Wrestler, uh, I know that when I'm trying to introduce wrestling like this to someone, perhaps making them watch a Shibata match may not be the best idea. That's not me saying his matches aren't good and people can't just pick it up and start watching. I'm just saying the four guys that I picked as my gateway boys into the banger bus, uh, you know, I, I picked them based off this, the, the type of matches that they always put on. And I know that if they go and pick one or four, that they will start to get an understanding and appreciation yep. of what New Japan is. And also, too, if they're more used to a Western style, it might be easier for them to sort of gravitate towards it. So it's kind of like a replay of how I got into New Japan. And I've included uh one kind of more modern guy, but there's three of them that are like essentially my mountain pillars of, of of why I love New Japan. So yes.
2: I really like this red because. Um, like for the, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's probably clear by now. But Red is like he, for as long as I've known him, been like a staunch WWE guy. And like on on the surface back then, it would it would seem a stretch that you would get into Japanese pro wrestling. So mm. I I like this idea for like. You know, I'm one of you. I was one of you. Here's my yeah. gateway into this yeah. thing and, that's really, really cool.
1: And also you may have friends that are pro wrestling fans that you're trying to engage in that discussion about this
0: stuff and yeah. you're exactly. just trying to
1: convince them to come across and join the community.
0: And that's that's literally why, like I said, Shibata, like, you know, I left out Tai Chi. I left out, um, you know, ishi. Yeah, the I left, hard drugs. <laughs> yeah, I left yeah, yeah. out exactly the hard drugs. Exactly, <laughs> exactly the hard yeah. drugs. Cause, yeah. cause, like I said, what I love them, and I love watching their matches. If you don't know, that's why I'm, I'm giving you these soft drugs, have a toke, yep. and then, then come with me onto the bus. and our destination <laughs> is going to be uh, Jushin Thunder Liger's bathhouse. Once we're in Jushin Thunder Liger's <laughs> bathhouse. Yeah.
1: No, I think that's, I think that's a, a really, uh, as I said, a really noble position to take. So this is what I see. And obviously it's your list, so it'll be interesting to see. But the, as Dave has mentioned, the position you're coming from means that I think a lot of people would be in that position. More put it this way, I feel like there's more sure. people in
0: your position, Red, than there are in Dave and I. Yeah. Position. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing. That's why I guess sometimes it's hard for me to participate when when you guys go into your realm of Look, No,
1: no one wants to come along. Let's <laughs> just be real. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Um,
0: um, I mean, I sit here
1: yes and you and <laughs> red nods red nods encouraging um, uh but oh so yeah so, so yeah, this is the difference between you and i Red, because i when we're getting into it i was like here's shibata
0: yeah 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 <laughs> here well, he is okay so ca- case in point i left nakamura off the list um Ooh. you know yeah so you know nakamura- i like
1: i like your hot takes of the guys that don't make the cut
0: yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, like Nakamura yeah. being one of the hardest hitting guys, his matches are always phenomenal and stuff like that. But once again, his style and everything may not appeal how I feel if I was showing someone to New Japan for the first time. Like the guys I've picked, I've picked them for the very simple reason that you can go into the annals of New Japan and pick any one of their matches and they will see something that they will like. Whereas with Nakamura... If you go back through his annals and his old school stuff, like his earlier stuff, yeah, a yeah. lot of them were sort of like mixed martial arts, ground yeah. and pound, slower base matches. So yeah. that was really hard to cut Nakamura out, because the guy is pro-wrestling and he's the king of strong style. so how can you talk yeah. about New Japan without Nakamura? You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 um, well, your <laughs> You're a You're a veteran. You're Red like, is glitching then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that one, that one hurt. So without further ado, here is, here is my Mount Rushmore. in no oh, particular order, Red? Uh, no, just no, four no, no, I never have an order. This, this Please, is order. No, there's no order. It's, it's cool. Yeah. All good. Um, so starting off the bat, I'm going to go with Kenny Omega. Now, easy one. Uh, main reason why is just because Kenny Omega is one of those absolutely polarizing, fast paced, super intense guys who can tell a story and particularly his work in new japan i'm not trying to shit can anything that he's done elsewhere i'm just saying that his body of work in new japan is some of the best work that i have seen from him full stop
1: hey, red do you think so are you saying for someone that's trying to get into new japan because kenny omega as of recording, doesn't work there. Work for New Japan. But you're looking at a way, it's almost like he's the gateway boy to connect to the other potential guys in that. So yes. Through his matches, you can connect to other guys to, to find boys.
0: You get an understanding of the crowd and how they react and how they work and, and how the style of the matches dictates the, yeah. the ring, the pacing, yeah. and everything. So, yeah. also his
2: relationship. Or, I mean, his history in New Japan is kind of like a good way to learn about faction stuff as well.
0: Correct. Juniors to heavies. Yes. Juniors, yeah, heavies. Yeah. Yep, yep. Bullet Club, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, because you have like, you know, the whole thing with him and AJ Styles. You have all the Young Bucks and all that kind of stuff. Like their their rise and everything all sorted together. And Kenny going from the juniors then to the heavies and then having the trilogy with Okada all that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Like, and, and just the golden lovers, as was mentioned before by Miss Doom, depending on where Josh decides to place the questions. It could mm-hmm. be before or after, depending on where it is, because oh, right now that. we're doing this section last, whereas if you're hearing the questions last, it means that Josh has edited mm-hmm. them and he's put them there.
1: Which, yeah, all of that description was great, Red, and we'll be in the Cut. same spot where the rest <laughs> of the stuff is yes. <laughs> So uh, But yeah, yeah. That, that is interesting, like the connective tissue idea
0: yeah so that Kenny Omega and also too because it's like the guy has a western style that meets the Japanese style and the two fuse really really well and I mean the guy has such an because I mean like you think about the whole thing he does when he does the Terminator stomp with his fist yep Mm. now that kind of building of a crowd thing that is such a western thing to do you know, the, da, da, da. and not to mention that it's based off a classic cult American film. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So, you know, that's neither here nor there. That's just like, you know, something I love about him. But anyway, so starting off with the very first match that I would put on just to sort of establish uh, would be Wrestle Kingdom 11. It's versus Akata. Uh Now this is, this match was, I think, was the six star match. Uh This is a, a match that I just think the entire pacing of the match, the way the match is paced because the two of them tell such a perfect captivating story that you don't have to know anything about the history of the two of them. not one thing. you know you can just put this match on from the intros to the finishing one, two three.
1: They do a good job though if of the if I'm if I'm recalling correctly, they did a great job during that feud of the intro video before it. they created yes. those nice, vignette things and they were really helpful to, to position you for the story that it, is that the match with the top rope that's the top rope tiger drive a uh, tiger suplex yeah, yeah that's that one yeah the one, yeah
0: never again so anyway so like basically the re- the reason behind that one is that it's it's a longer style match but it really uh, it, it introduces someone to one okada and it shows the style and pacing of a new japan main event and that's the true. crowd as well the crowd is electric they're so into it and and just it's such a grand thing to see Wrestle Kingdom. Like when you have that many people screaming, going crazy, oh, the yeah. energy comes through the TV. Yeah, you're gonna make me cry if I start thinking too much yeah. about it. <laughs> just settle yeah. down with that one. I, I I yeah, so I won't I won't go into too heavy detail because I've got a lot of stuff to go through. No,
1: but that's a good uh, recommendation.
0: Yeah. So then the next one, um, because I, I've got three matches per guy. So just okay. bear with me. So the next one will be the G1 Climax. It's in um, G1 Climax 16 uh, versus Naito. Now this is, uh, I believe... Fucking great. Yeah. So this is one of the all-time matches because once again, Okada and Kenny tell a story. Naito and Kenny tell a very different story. And it's during the G1. So it's got that whole tournament vibe to it and everything. It's just something that if you've never seen either one of them yet again, I can put it on sit you down, and by the end of the match, I can almost guarantee I'll have someone invested or keen in either one of them. And, and then with, with Kenny, there was a lot of guys that I wanted to go through and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I, I had uh, Dominion 18 versus Akata. In, in reality, I would just basically say, you need Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, would- man.
1: Yeah, well, they only, had the, they only had the one, right? The G1 yeah. Um, yeah. In, in New Japan.
2: Can I can I uh, throw in a
1: um what's it called suggestion suggestion
2: for a match for any Omega?
1: I also have one if that's okay. No, please, please jump in. Uh, mainly
2: because it was like a big reason why I jumped into. Yeah, uh, I know where he's going. Yeah, it'd be the and And a great story, and a lot sort of came out of it, and I think it was like a massive shift in you awesome fans. story
1: uh the Chris Jericho match yeah that that three month bill was to be there for that. it was yeah. electric. Mm. it was like you remember like when he showed up at um it was a power struggle or whatever, when Jericho turned up, it was like stunning. I was like, what he's behind him like it was. It was like the universe's folder on themselves. It was something. Yeah, yeah, if you were a, there, it was like, what's happening? Even mm. being on the screen and. Yeah, yeah <laughs> the crowd, like, is going, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's going on uh, here?
0: What, Jericho?
1: Yeah. How? What, how? It was stunning. It was literally
0: stunning. It's a great suggestion. I uh, uh, see. Once again, I didn't even think of that. So.
1: Well, it's this interesting position, right? It's a different type. I mean, it's not necessarily the two guys that own the company. It's like a big reason AEW exists. Yeah, you
0: know, no, like, no, I, I know that. I just but that's what I'm
1: saying. That's probably why it's a little different. You're thinking where yeah. you're going. Um, because I, I know Tony Khan has said that's the match that convinced him to start a company, he saw the interest. Um, yeah, yeah well, I, I'm going to go to the opposite end of that. Um, I will go with one of the first matches I saw in New Japan, uh, Kenny Omega versus uh, Riske Taguchi at Rescue Kingdom 9, uh, the birth of the cleaner coming in to clean up the junior division. That was the first time I saw the one-winged angel and it fucking blew my mind. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. Um, working boots to Gooch. That'd be a, something interesting to receive. see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it was, uh, if you want to fully track the story of him, seeing him in that in- incarnation before he sort of refined the cleaner to be the goofy version of himself to find his way to the heavyweights, it's quite an interesting starting point. Um, but yeah, that was, I just... When I think of Kenny Omega, I, I vividly remember that and that hair and the body and the short, the little the little boy he was wearing. Um had the short boys on. Uh yeah. That would be another one I would chuck in there, red. Good stuff, Red. I like it. Who's next? Who's next?
0: Yes. Uh so once again, I'm just going down an order that I've written them in. This this is no direct order that I've I've picked these guys. So um, the next guy is another gigantic reason why I'm into the company and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I first, I believe, I first got exposure to him during his time in WWE, doing during a cruiserweight tournament they had, uh, where they couldn't actually sign him. Uh, so it would be Kota Ibushi. Off his body of work of watching, I've grown into New Japan and become an even bigger fan um, based off his style. I mean, you know. I'll go into it pretty soon. But, you know, all the different versions of Kota. Are you, similar to Kenny?
1: are you concerned, Red, that you've provided the golden lovers here? Are you concerned that people will watch them and seek, create this standard of in their mind of, like, these are the guys to seek for New Japan Pro Wrestling, never to be seen again. <laughs> and so <laughs> you'll, they'll come into New Japan Pro Wrestling and go, like, where are those guys? And oh. where can I watch them? It's like, you'll never see them again. They'll ne- this version of them is gone, like tears in the rain.
0: Look, I mean, you know, at the same time, this is just simply my opinion of what I would show people because I'm just trying to show them the aspects of the ring, the crowd, the pacing, and and what an actual New Japan match could be. And Kota has to be on the pillar to draw out and be like, "Hey, check this guy out."
1: He have two or um, three of the best
0: matches in New Japan history. So exactly. So starting off the bat, it's Wrestle Kingdom Nine versus Nakamura. I had to include Nakamura. That's fucking great. Uh, that match uh, because I believe this actually was one of the first matches that I ever saw of yeah, New Japan. We got,
1: we got the pay per view, uh, but this
0: was probably my holy shit moment because you have this guy who is just so electric in the ring, and um, well, both of them are. But then you have this, you know, this the artistry of Nakamura is hard to explain. Mm. Like, he is captivating. Like God, He was fucking good, wasn't he? He was, and I mean like this, but from the start of him walking out, you know, you, you're watching him, like everything he does in the ring, you're watching him slowly and then Coda comes out and, you know, the style of the match they're having, it's hard, it's kicking, it's, you know, really, really dangerous move after dangerous move. I would, I would love to see
1: New fans' reaction to Kodobushu comes out like this lovable chipmunk, like happy yeah. baby yeah. face, yeah, and then starts to proceed to beat the ever-loving shit out of someone and gets increasingly yeah. violent and sadistic. It's like here comes like the fucking Patrick Bateman of New Japan. <laughs> like, this is like American <laughs> psychos
0: has turned up. Like, yeah, so yeah. So that match, like I said, if you haven't ever seen that match. Go and check it out. It's yes, an right. absolute banger. Just, yes. It's in New Japan right there. Uh, but it's a match that I could easily put on. Yeah. And just once again, someone's like, hey, show me a New Japan match. I, I've never seen it before. I'd like to know what this is about. I'll put this on. Uh, so moving on to the second match that I would show off Kota Ibushi's to get someone into New Japan to understand would be the G1 Climax, the uh, day 28. Uh, it's versus Kenny Omega. Yep. And it's basically a story within a match that people who don't watch New Japan would probably really see, but the two of them tell that story in the match. And so you become slowly invested in the two of them as the match goes on. It starts off traditionally filling out process, but once the pace starts, it is non-stop. But it's a
1: different filling out process, right? Because they know each other.
0: They know each other, exactly. That's why it's also, <laughs> I believe, the first time I've said feeling out process. Yeah. Oh, they failed each other. Yeah. You want to have two men making love in the ring. Oh, it, it yeah. nearly got close. That was the yeah. Buddha. They sold out Buddha Yeah. So, that's yeah. So doing. once again, that match, haven't seen it. Go and check it out. I'm not going to go into full details of it because I. that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to introduce matches for people to go and check out. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh so then you've got the, the third one is one of it's the birth of cunt Kota. Uh it is the G1 climax 29 final.
1: It's the birth of the term cunt Kota. I don't know yeah. if it's the birth yeah. Yeah. he was born that way, but
0: yeah. So that's that's basically the match where it's like uh Jay is really antagonizing Coda the whole time. Oh the leg, the leg match. The leg. Yeah, the, the
1: leg. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. The, the 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 chair. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And that's where basically, you know cunt Coder comes out his face changes and that's when the crowd first sort of reacts to him changing his face such a Mm -hmm. simple nuanced moment but the same thing if you show someone who has no idea about any of this stuff that stuff they will understand this guy should not be fucked with straight away Mm -hmm. and plus they get introduced to an absolutely brilliant heel in jay such a jay was like really peak heel at that stage you know yeah and, would, and um,
1: that was it was and that would lead to their series you know
0: yeah exactly so once again just G, g1 is a reoccurring thing all the time when i'm trying to show someone wrestling because particularly new japan because yeah. smaller size venues you really understand as a tournament there is always intensity to the matches pressure gotta win yeah time limits um, creates a yeah. simple convention
1: can i can i offer a suggestion my yeah oh situation? please
0: yes yes open the suggestions please yes uh
1: Maybe my, my, maybe the best G1 final ever, in my opinion, uh, Coda v Tana. Yep. That, yeah, my Tana wins. The, that is that match when we see the opposite of cunt Coda, we see scared Coda. Yeah. Where he's confronted that to me, that's like a masterclass in what new Japan can be because they are two baby faces and they are two beloved baby faces engaging in a pro wrestling contest, which is so rare in other contests. It's such an interesting space. Mm, Um, Great point. It's, and it's just, a it just, that match was something else. I I remember we watched that at your place where I was like, I need to have a bath after it. You know, it was just something else. It was a it was a spectacle. And we just didn't believe that Tana was gonna win it. We never at yeah. no point did we believe he was gonna win until he did. And we're like, oh awesome, you know. Which yeah. I think is the final after Abushi had beaten Kenny, right? I think that's yeah. I think that's he had gone off the back of that to then wrestle Tana back to back nights or back to Jesus Christ, he was on a run at that stage. Holy shit.
0: Yeah. Um
1: <laughs> Yeah, but he's a yeah, there's a lot of gateways into interesting guys there. But you're right, the introduction to Jay as the heel in that in that final, off the back of the old fashioned territory, tackling the night before and take out his fucking foot, the foot that he yeah. injured at the beginning of that tournament, Kodobushi. Um, yeah, that's a cool that was a cool um angle for sure. Yeah. And led to what I would say is probably Jay White's best match ever, is the Match he had at Wrestle Kingdom, um, with Coda.
0: with Kota, yeah. and and see once again that's why I just wanted because I, I I just felt that story they told in that match was very it's simple. clearer it's you very wouldn't simple.
1: go you wouldn't go to the Wrestle
0: Kingdom match I don't think no yeah, that's the, the thing match. so yeah I uh, yeah so that would be the Gateway the, Boy uh, yeah so all right so going on to the third guy of the pillar of my Gateway Boys yep uh, I would it's um, Billy No Brains uh, <laughs> yeah. not. Not a hard one to talk about. With this one, probably one of the most polarized and talked about matches for years, was him and Ricochet. That shit went and blew up the internet before wrestling really was blowing up. It was, it was the internet was being blown up full stop of wrestling. Yeah, back Justin then. Bieber, this,
1: Justin Bieber shared it.
0: But, but this match, this match in particular, I'm not, I'm not talking about the Ricochet one. I'm just saying that <laughs> Will Ospreay and Ricochet that match was one of the, like the biggest and most talked about. Like, is this wrestling? sort of like well the know.
1: answer the answer for new japan was no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like that was like one and done boys
0: <laughs> yeah so uh yeah good old good old uh billy no brains now i'm i'm gonna go back in time uh no 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 i'll i'll, I'll just i'll stick with my order uh it's the g1 climax 2019 versus kazuchika akata um you'll notice that akata has always featured a fair bit in all these things uh this is a match i believe it was when will was uh it was still a junior he was still a junior and he was like basically solidifying himself as a heavy yeah
1: that's a corican match
0: yeah and he was showing that he is that but the thing is though is once again if you've never seen new japan you put this match on between okada and osprey you get a great glimpse into what sort of wrestling and pace you can get from a new japan match
1: yeah yeah, and a simple story: little brother, big brother. Yep, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, and uh, variations of pace. That match goes from slow to fast in a heartbeat. Uh,
0: yeah, so exactly. So, what? Once again, I won't go too much into that one because check it out if you've never seen Great. it. Great, and if and but, if
1: you're if you're even a newer fan to New Japan and you've been watching Osprey's ascent, it's a really informative match to go back and check out because it's yeah. it's that not the first, but it's kind of like the first sort of indication that Osprey's coming for a Carter in time
0: now the next match I ummed and ahed about a lot but the main reason why I ummed and ahed we've got a cancer guy coming in here was simply because of one spot that demonstrates just how batshit insane Will Ospreay is and it is at the Sakura Genesis 18 versus some guy
1: redacted risky <laughs> strategy cotton that uh, yeah uh, we'll just edit that out
0: I only have two on Will Ospreay.
1: <laughs> um,
0: so then then finally it's uh, Just wrestling the
1: birdman Red when you're talking about who he's wrestling. Just
0: wrestling uh, the bird man. Okay the birdman. He's yeah. taking on that guy who played for the Miami Heat. <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom 14 uh, versus Hiromu. Now this would probably be one of the first matches I would try and show someone who is trying to get into New Japan. Hiromu, Will Ospreay. For everyone of us who who know New Japan, you know that's an absolute bang out right there. But the the two of them put on perhaps one of the absolute best displays of aerial and physical and death defying and technical and and all in the space of like, you know, I think it's like a 28 minute match, but Mm. so much happens. So much happens in this one match that it is so intense to watch. Like anyone, once again, this is where I'm coming from. If I can put that match on for you, I can just about guarantee there'll be some sort of glimpse of, oh, can I watch another one?
1: And good and a good indication of sort of the junior house style, even to some extent, the, the broader house style of New Japan with reversal call. Cool. like... So much of that is about knowledge of the other guy and being able to turn stuff into stuff and then into stuff into stuff. That's kind of the, for better or worse, that's kind of what New Japan has built itself on in terms of Mm -hmm. its stylistically in the ring, you know. So, and they're doing it at speed and at height and at distance and in the air, and they're just doing all random sorts of things. So it's it's pretty impressive athletically.
0: Yeah, and like I said, that's um, literally why it's one of the matches that you know I, I I would probably start off with showing someone is something like that. Um, juniors are probably a safe bet. Juniors are always a safe bet. They're yes. always yeah, they're always a safe bet. All right, so on to my last guy. Genuinely, not a surprise. It is Naito. Uh, just because always you smarter. like you like what I like, and you shut the fuck up. Uh <laughs> this is my geekdom
1: so red i sh- love i love that you've gone you like what i like and you've proceeded to pick four of the mo- the internet's like it's like the golden lovers are over here osprey's over here and naito is in his own universe of yeah. people that just love to see a naito
0: yeah and i'm one of them so yeah yes i have three of his hats <laughs> I signed them myself. And a hairpiece. <laughs> and a hairpiece. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, look, once again, Naito is, is one of the reasons why I'm into wrestling in New Japan.
1: Red, Red, as a just as an aside, as a coming from, like, what is it about Naito? Because, I, I mean, I what is it about him coming from that, w, like the WWF production and the WWF characters and the, the larger-than-life type of characters, the very... Um, I'd say, tell, not show type of characters that they had produced in the past. Naito seems very different. What is it about him? Because I know he's your well, guy.
0: Well, you have to keep in mind at the time uh, when I first came into watching uh, New Japan, uh, Naito was that absolutely perfect uh, anti-hero. He had a championship belt that he didn't give a shit about. Remember, he was yeah. throwing the belt around at that time. The, I was the IC belt, yeah yeah so he was you know and that was really fascinating but also just the presentation of this guy coming down to the ring so slowly and with such a brilliant song and slowly taking his clothes off and all that kind of stuff and tranquilo but to have such an explosive absolutely explosive like you know performance in the ring every single time it really was like hook line and sinker for me just this guy who was slow to start off with and then super explosive but just his absolute disdain for new japan and and all that kind of stuff back then uh was really fascinating to sort of see because japan to me i I always watched they're so honorable and everything about what they do within the company and the wrestling and that's kind of what was presented to me the whole time so to see a guy just turn around and say no fuck you fuck your company fuck this Mm. belt fuck this match fuck everything yeah no. it's
1: interesting so he's like a even though you're sort of it's a contrast to expectation so it's like an interesting idea where it's like someone that's coming in they might have expectations of what this is and then you present naito and it's like you anything you thought you knew about what you were going to get with new japan pro wrestling is on its head now and you've mm. found this guy now follow him you know yeah. interesting
0: I'm glad we both came to that conclusion. It's
1: it's interesting. It's a counterintuitive way to go about it, but he's certainly a gateway boy because a lot of people got in through Nido. He's an interesting case study
2: too, because he's like, uh, like you said, he presents a character that is so unique. Like the guy who, if it's not the top spot, it's not worthy of me. Mm. I like that idea of the character. And it and it's like no one's really ever existed like that. There's been anti-heroes before, for sure. But yeah, like the like I no, it's the company needs to be worthy of me, not the other way around. And and I'm the guy who should be the number one spot. And so for you to give me the intercontinental title or for, for me not to be positioned in that top spot, then like he said, fuck you, and uh, I will show none of it any
1: respect. <laughs> Disdain, yeah. Yeah, and I know, Red, I mean, I'm always interested from your position because you obviously come out of, I mean, we came out of the anti-hero being a, a very popular trope in terms of Western storytelling. Yeah, he's like,
2: it, it, and
1: he's kind of like,
2: like a misfit hero rather than the anti-hero.
1: I just mm. think it's really fascinating to see how that type of character I don't think works anywhere else. Like, I yeah. don't think it, I just don't think it works anywhere else. And all of the people you've discussed, Red, I think are guys that have proven that they work everywhere. Like, a Kodorubushi, a Kenny Omega, a Will Ospreay work everywhere. They connect in any market. That the style that they work, the, the, ver- the, the, every aspect of them have been proven. Every place they go, they'll get over because of their style. But Naito's so different to those other three guys. Yeah, it's interesting that he still hates like, his neck, but you know, oh yeah, they all they all share hey, that. They in all common. hate their neck. They all, <laughs> they all, all have that in common. But it it just it's an interesting point of contrast, isn't it? Because I think he's I honestly feel of the of your Mount Rushmore. I know there's no hierarchy, but I feel like he's he's driving the banger bus. He's the he is the the biggest of the Gateway Boys because it seems like he's your. I mean, he's your Gateway Boy, the truest of the true. He
0: he is. There's no like I'd say him and him and Nakamura really like him and nakamura were the two that got me heavily you know fixated and then i think kenny then was the one that was really pushing me even further into the the whole of love but all through naito it's all through naito exactly Mm. it's all through naito like like naito was the first bit of merch i bought
1: yeah exactly so he's he's your boy so that's what i find fascinating because he's the contrast to all of the other guys and um but I do agree with you. I think he's well, a guy that you put on and people. No, no but, but keep
0: in mind, this isn't, my, this isn't my list of my favorite New Japan guys. This is my list of people that I would present and show people matches of that I can say, you can go and pick out a Kenny Omega match. Yeah. yeah. And you'll be into it. You can go and pick up a uh, Koda, Willow Spray, and Naito match.
1: Exactly right. I get that. That's what I'm saying. He's the only guy of that list. He's like one of these things, not like the other.
0: Yeah. Because
1: yeah. I can tell you right now, the other three guys melt to fucking loves. Not, and that's because they're an open style. Nito, there's a complicated relationship there in terms of the style that he works because he does so many things differently to what other guys would do. But I agree with you. I think he, I think he belongs as a gateway boy. It's just, mm-hmm. I find it interesting that he just sits there. And if you're going to show guys matches, and even when you reference all the other guys matches, Nito is almost a common thread through all of them as well. It's just, it seems like he's such an important figure in the Western expansion of New Japan. And it doesn't seem to make sense relative to the type of wrestlers that Western fans engage with.
0: Well, I mean, as we said before with Meltzer, Dave has no friends. So, <laughs> uh, you know, that's why that's when I think of him. <laughs>
1: Don't um... <shit> on <laughs> um, Uncle Dave. <laughs> yep. So the match is red
0: the matches that's what i do i'm the match guy
1: yes the match book himself
0: it's uh so yeah so um well that's why i'm a redhead because in australia we have a brand of matches called the redheads so
1: yeah there's, there's a there's a meme incoming
0: yeah uh feel free anyway <laughs> uh so and also feel free to check out these three matches so you've got number 1 um not number 1 not not particularly in order. But it's wrestle kingdom 14 night 2 versus this is uh naito <laughs> reaching yeah. this is now, this one, I really lamented over. I really, 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 really lamented over because for someone who has watched Naito and Okada for so long, we all know the story of Naito always losing, always losing. So I thought, could someone who has never seen New Japan before, doesn't know the style, could they actually watch this match and you know get yes, and that answer is yes. That's why I put it first right there, straight away. Um, because Noto wins.
1: <laughs> so Not the my second match. Noto always wins.
0: Uh, so, no, no. Once again, it's Wrestle Kingdom, electric, crowds into it, you, you know, straight away, you're going to... Oh,
1: maybe, the, maybe the greatest atmosphere that's ever existed for a pro wrestling show at the end. Like, they, well, look, that went nuts.
0: They're Rock and Austin, so... It
1: was, it was yeah. insane.
0: Yeah, so that's, I mean, once again, I could put that match on and I know that by the end of the match... Yeah, you're either going to be really into it and super into it, or you're just not a fan at all. Great example
1: so, of the crowd telling you something is important's coming, happening, and you're just trying yeah. to figure out why do they care so much. Yes,
0: you know? exactly. That's exactly it. Uh, so once again, check out that match you've never seen it. Okay, so once again, going into number two, time to hit the second rope. Uh, G1 Climax 28 against Kenny Omega. I remember this match being crazy like I remember the crowd was so into it like it basically the match just is so fast-paced and so bad shit insane but Kenny and Naito's styles mixed perfectly there's also there's also um the false botches in that match as well once again it's this is not me going through the match bit by bit and all that kind of stuff this is just me If I was to show someone a New Japan match, I have to keep reiterating this. I'm not going to go through the matches. I'm just simply saying, I'm just saying this is what I would show. Watch the match. This is just a match that you could have popcorn, grab yourself a six pack, sit back, enjoy. Uh, And then finally, it is Wrestle Kingdom 15, night one versus Kota. Uh, This is when Naito has, uh, I think it's, I've got to, sorry, my, my revisionist history is terrible right now. Um it's, that's double dome, yeah, yeah, double dome, yes, double dome. So, yeah, this is the one where they're wrestling for both belts, basically. This is double belt naito Um, yeah, first thought of that, yeah. And so this is straight away, once again, absolutely masterclass of what New Japan wrestling is like. Uh, you know, I can I can see you boys thinking right now. If you haven't seen it for a while, go and check this match out. I actually watched it last week. And it's literally why I started this entire list and which is why it is the last match that I'm going to recommend. So simple as that one, you don't need to know much about it other than the fact that these two put on an absolute display of what New Japan wrestling is. The crowd, once again, electric. Everything about the match is just flawless. And it just is an absolute balls to the wall. So yeah, sit back, popcorn, six pack.
1: Sweet. Good list, Red. Very, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see if people, well, I'd be interested to see what people, listeners perhaps were their gateway boys.
0: Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's the other reason why I did it too, is I'd love the people out there who are listening, whether you're, you're in your car going to work, whether you're in your bathtub, um, whether you're just about to have dinner, whether you're about to go to bed, whether you're having a happy lunch, uh, whether you're like me at the gym, uh, whether you're on a stroll at the beach walking the dog, uh wherever you like to listen to your 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 podcast in your ears uh you know let us know via however you reach josh on twitter uh what were your gateway boys
1: yeah be interesting be interesting to know because uh, it's different for everyone but i think there'd be some crossover for sure
0: yeah so yeah that's my they're my gateway boys for the bang of us
1: nice it's a it. solid
0: tune in next week when i give you the reverse of it the i'll show you these guys to turn you off new japan <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay um oh, we're about to get weird it's just who wants to do what weird shit first no i think maybe you you go okay okay i'll try to be uh i'll try to keep this brief because i want to sort of open up the discussion part of it i don't necessarily want to go on some big rant Um, but this is going to, just so we know, just so we're prepared, this is going to go a little bit left of field to come back to make sense. That's all. It will make sense. It'll tie it all in together and it'll, it'll make a lot of sense. I just interested, I had an idea of what I was going to talk about based on a thing that I had watched. And then I thought about it and I've changed what I actually think the big implication is. It'll tie back to what you were talking about before when we we're before recording in regards to other companies. So this week I've been, uh, I don't know how many people out there, uh, you know, New Japan hasn't been on. So I'm like, I'm looking for stuff to watch, you know, looking for movies or whatever. And like in the modern like presentation of how we consume media, there's so much stuff online to stream. There's just so much stuff that sometimes I'll find myself sitting there looking through just the countless options and selecting nothing and then going to YouTube and randomly watching some random thing that I have, you know, it's taken me 45 minutes to pick a thing. I'm like, I I get some food that I'm going to eat when I watch said thing. And then it's like sitting the side while I'm trying to decide. And I can't, you know, it's just too many options, so many options. So what I end up finding myself doing is I go looking for old shit, That's kind of where I've gotten to now. I like looking for old shit. So, the last couple of weeks, I've been watching, uh, like, uh, it's going to sound, I mean, I I don't want to sound pretentious, but it just happens every week. But I've been watching, like, uh, so I watched a bunch of 70s cinema and a bunch of, like, uh, a bit of French New Wave, but I've been watching 70s uh, cinema. (laughs) Yeah, man, it's fine. I take it. With a little um, Jim Jarmusch on the side, eh, Red? Just yeah. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't touched Jarmusch.
0: Um, Talk about a gateway boy.
1: Yeah. Um Oh yeah, hundred percent. Great gateway to that. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not going to get into it, Red. That's yeah, not. Start. I want to the <laughs> That's not start that.
0: This Jim Jarmusch film from the seventies. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No. I. No. Anyway. Anyway. I was. I was watching. So I watched this film. I don't know if anyone has seen it. Um It's William Friedkin's 1977. I would say, American classic. Uh, it's a movie called Sorcerer. Yeah, love it. And it's about, um, I mean, it's really hard to describe what it's about, but basically it's about a four guys have to move a shit ton of uh, explosives across a, like a jungle in some unnamed Latin American country um, in order to make some money to try to save themselves, right? And it's a story about fate. It's this interesting idea about these four different characters that somehow find their way to this same place through different variations. They're all from around the world. One's like a Palestinian bomber. One's like a, an assassin. One's a driver for a, uh, a mob and, and the other guy's a failed French businessman. And they all find their way to this one place. And the first hour is just them you know, engaging the, the style they used to do back in the day. Very, almost like a documentary style, very like fly on the wall, very naturalistic. It's, 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 I really highly recommend it. It's really good and a bit slow but then once it gets to the ending and the last once it, an hour in and you start going on the journey of them it it's just some of the most captivating stuff you'll see like high drama really tense it's incredibly tense it's got that feel of like a safety brothers movie now like it's super tense it's like heightened heightens, tightens and it's all shot practically so it's crazy Roy Scheider's in it I guess that's probably one of the few people people know but in any case so I was watching this I'm like I was like this is great. Maybe I'll talk about the role of fate in pro wrestling as like, I was like, because I was, I was going to talk about Naito and fate and this idea of, you know, the, the, the structure of how we know where he's going to end up and all that sort of stuff. But it I was like, nah, I'm not sure. I, so anyway, I started reading into the film because like, this film's fucking great and no one's like heard of it. Like it's not talked about at all. I was like, well, why is that? And so I went looking. I was like, oh, it like came out two weeks before Star Wars. <laughs> and What's really fascinating about that is what it signaled and what it was. And I started reading into it. And this idea for people that aren't aware of the late 60s to early 70s was called New Hollywood. And it was this run after the death of the studio systems where the studios were struggling and they weren't, the films weren't doing well. Musicals and westerns had sort of died out. And it was the era of the auteur filmmaker. So a lot of the people that came in were these like director-led features. So they were basically people that had come up through uh, the Roger Corman school of like fast and dirty. So like, basically, some of the most formative filmmakers you'll know of like yeah, Francis Ford Coppolas, yeah, Jonathan uh, Demi was there back in the day. Yeah, um, like obviously Spielberg and those guys were around. Uh, Paul Schrader, like there were some really influential directors, Sam Peckinpah, but nonetheless, they were in control of their films. That was kind of the era of this run. Dennis Hopper, infinite, like infamously, the most in control whilst being out of control. So, like, they made these incredibly personal films with budgets that became box office hits. Like, it was this run. And so, Friedkin obviously made like The Exorcist and French Connection, right? So, these big things. And he was able to make the movie that he calls his masterpiece is the truest version of hit, the best film he ever made, in his opinion but it dies a death because it's hit by the blockbuster, the wave of the blockbuster comes in, right? And it sort of ushers in this interesting era. Well, we're seeing it kind of now, like the 90s was similar in terms of directors got control and then in come the blockbusters of what we're currently living in the age of now. And what I started to think about was what we think about pro wrestling companies and what we think about pro wrestlers and the roles that they play, because I see a lot of people on Twitter often compare, and I've said it before, compare like, Tony Khan's a Scorsese and like, oh, he's a, he's, this is cinema, like AEW cinema. And I thought that, I mean, for whatever, that's a comparison they can make, but I was like, the role is wrong because wrestling is such a different medium. The author in wrestling, the, the director in wrestling is the wrestler that they are the one who craft their narrative. The company's the studio company is the one that has the, like that, establishes the direction. And for a brief period, for like in the rise of New Japan in the West and all sorts of stuff. And what New Japan has done for the most part is it turns over the movie to the directors. It turns it, it turns over the studio is not deciding what makes money and as much as the wrestlers are determining what makes money the same way that New Hollywood did. And it led to this rise of these great like iconoclast filmmakers that would go on to do a lot of different things, right? So you could say in the same way that uh, Kenny Omega is like Spielberg because he's like this guy that was like trying to connect the, the big picture with the little picture, the idea of the, the uh, you know, the auteur filmmaker that wanted to go box office. And they each have this different philosophy in the way they want to go about their thing. But they play out in this like whole ecosystem. And I was like, that's, that's interesting. So I was like, I was like Googling. Has anyone talked about like auteur theory in pro wrestling? And they really kind of haven't. But I found this awesome, and I mean awesome essay on pro wrestling called The World of Wrestling, right? And it is from like, I think it's from the 50s or the 70s by Roland Barthes, who's a philosopher, but he talked about French wrestling, right? So talking about what professional wrestling was in France and what wrestling could be. And it is the most prescient shit you will ever see about pro wrestling. In terms of how he describes pro wrestling in the 70s and and from a guy that this is, this is so put it into perspective this is 72 this is the birth of new japan it's the same year new japan starts right this is before wwe this is before WWF. this is we are going back to when it is new, like wrestling is just pro wrestling and some of the things that he says and the way that he frames the idea of wrestling and what it is as opposed to reality is so fascinating and it ties in exactly to this idea of what we expect for pro wrestling to be. And he was saying this idea, the concept that he was sort of pushing that I really connected to was this idea that the about wins and losses and that the expectation is not on the pro wrestlers to um, perform anything, but what is expected of them. So this idea of winning and losing is almost preordained in our minds of who's supposed to win, who's supposed to lose, who's supposed to do this, who's supposed to do that. And that their function is to perform this almost ritual in front of us of like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And so much of that is like our expectation of pro wrestling. And from that is the guys that, the biggest stars, the ones that break that convention in terms of how, what our expectation of them is and how they're able to transform that expectation and that imposed expectation of myth of like what pro wrestling is as good versus evil. And he actually says it in this idea is like good versus evil doesn't mean anything in France. He's like saying America has good versus evil, but in France, we don't care about that. We care about the level of bastard. Like he's like understanding the different nuances of the character and what makes you a connective bastard or whatever this idea is. And talking about the different cultural components. And it's like all these little aspects of pro wrestling that currently exist in the current world. He talked about, that we don't want to know the reality. The reality is not the key in this thing. And if we prevent too much reality, we we bring down the myth and the myth goes away. And then it ceases to be interesting because what we expect is no longer being serviced and it becomes too real. And it's like that, that idea is like, you could have written that today about what's happening over at AEW in terms of like just looking at French style, whatever it is. And I was really interested about it because I was like, what is it? Because we talked about it last week, Dave. We said, like, New Japan has this extra level of freedom. We couldn't, I couldn't figure out what it was. I'm like, well, why do guys like Mox and guy, like guys that go over there can do these things that are slightly different? And I was like, I think it's just a difference in philosophy in term, terms of, like, it's all tour it's theory. It's like this character has control over their narrative And the New Japan is like a studio that has recognized that as opposed to what we see in the Western presentation is that what we would see if I say a Marvel series is like, we know what makes money, right? We know what works. We're going to take the best young directors that we see in independent film, like you. what Marvel does now, every good young director gets snapped up and told to make it to this format. And I see that in Western pro-wrestling presentation. Yes, it's, it's engaging and it connects with an audience, but it's decreed from the top down, from a and it doesn't. And what I fear is what we're seeing with AEW is the product of a system, same as New Hollywood. It's a product of a system in which you empower people to make their own movies. And if you, if you avoid that and instead prescribe people in that system, you will not lead to a future generation that has the capacity to do it. So you just create this weird, like, you won't build another Kenny Omega because you're not allowing them that opportunity. I just thought it was a really interesting, like, parable in terms of, like, that run of New Japan from, like, 2012 to, like, 2019, which everyone sort of looks at as this, you know, iconic run, is, it's like the new Hollywood of pro wrestling, where it's like, these guys are just getting empowered to make their stuff. And some of them are going to become superstars out of it. Some of them launched a whole new fucking company out of it, but that company is star Wars. Mm. And what that, what does that mean for the direction, the future direction of pro wrestling is the loss of, you're not going to get your Sam Peckinpah in fucking AEW. You just can't, It, it can't exist in that space. He'll get frustrated in that space. he'll ask for his release in that space because it's not that it's not the same system that that created that type of the same same idea. And some people will profit from it big time and they'll become these iconic elements, these iconic directors, you know, these iconic wrestlers, but not to the extent of um you know people that in twenty years' time, everything will look the same. So it's an interesting idea that I think is like not, not, not I'm not putting out a fucking warning, but I'm just suggesting that I found it really fascinating of like, what will we look back on in 20 years time and say, well, that was that guy or that person or that woman or that, whoever that person is, was the, you know, the, that set the future of the direction that we're going. And I just feel like whatever that, that run was, we'll never, I don't know if we're going to see it again. So where where does that place New Japan now then? It's interesting. It's interesting. That's a good question because New Japan is coming off the back of the pandemic. So we understand where that has hit and that there is a fear, I think to some extent is now AW has got a, like a proven thing in a Western market. So it's proven what the model is, right? Of -hmm. how to engage a Western audience. So do New Japan adopt said model and try to replicate these ideas or do they trust in their guys and trust those those models to trust the process it's it's a it's going to be really instructive we're going to see can is it is it, can you do both at the same time can you have can you have a so you're saying can you allow people the freedom to make what they want to make within a system that knows a model that that works yeah I don't know. I think it depends on who you got in there. Okay. So
2: this kind of like weirdly ties into what I was kind of going to talk about.
1: Perfect. Another analogy that would probably be easier than my fucking French New Wave, New Hollywood analogy. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Or not. Or not. Before you go too far.
0: (laughs) Can I just point out before you go on, Dave? I like Marvel movies.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying, I'm not yeah, saying yeah, that yeah. people shouldn't like Marvel films, but I can tell you what now, I'm getting tired of the same films. Yeah.
0: I don't think they're the same.
1: <laughs> but I mean the same presentation of it. it. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm eating, if, even if I like the, the food, if I'm eating the same thing every time, at some point I question who if, if all you've grown up knowing is the one thing, how will you create the next thing?
0: Mm. Mm. Well, I'm seeing what you're saying. It's like New Japan is like the nuanced '70s movies that are beautiful and art history.
1: Well, I don't look at it. I don't look at New Japan like a. I don't look at it like a. Per, like, like I don't look at it like that. I don't look at it like it's. It's a platform through which the people have the opportunity to present that. But New Japan, like anything, can change. It's just the position that they currently hold, has in the past, has allowed that. Like a Naito is. We just said before, Naito doesn't work anywhere else because he's not given the freedom to tell the story he wants to tell. He's just not given that freedom. And so you try to put Naito in another space, you say, let's make Naito commercial. You don't have to make Naito commercial. He is commercial. But if you say, well, this is the formula that it works and this is what we have to do, then you you strip Naito of what he is. Naito is like... Naito, for better or worse, he is his own type of guy and he has his own type of idea of what he believes works and he's going to stick to that. Same way we hear about Tanahashi. Tanahashi knows what works for him and he'll do it. So we're out of that era then, the
2: 2012-2019 era. We've just kind of come through this pandemic sort of position where, you know, another dark ages of sorts yeah so blossoming into something else so is the question we're asking like it's it's not going to go back to what it was but can it be as successful
1: Mm. i mean i don't know i i mean it's how much damage is done by the holding in place is a concern. It's always going to be a concern of like people being stuck in suspended animation. And because there's a, every basic story has been every macro story has been almost put on hold whilst the characters themselves develop. And it's like, you just, you just think, I think there is a couple of guys that have the potential to get it back to some level, but their movement has changed. Like new Japan's focus has changed. Like they've gone, they've certainly put a greater focus on their international market, right? That has been a big, that has been a big focus of theirs recently. And they've put guys up that are, but I think New Japan, I think this is the difference, right? And I think to some extent, what WWE has fostered is this idea, the brand beats everything. The brand is above all things. Mm -hmm. And New Japan has relied upon their top guys, that's what I'm saying. They're different. That's why they've got that new Hollywood feel, because they rely on their directors to be the ones to to create the the magic that will ultimately draw. Whereas um, it's not a studio decree, so it depends on the guys that they pick. It's really crucial that they pick the right guys.
2: Yeah. Okay. So something really interesting happened over the weekend, and it's a I mean, it's a devi- deviation from talking about. <laughs>
1: new Japan. Well, fucking I've been talking about Hollywood cinema from the 70s, Dave, so the deviation is is there, deviate away. But
2: this really amazing thing and you know, recently we talked about stories in sport and, you know, effectively, are they actually a thing or whatever. But and you know, you know, what what is new if New Japan is sports presentation, it, are there stories in it or whatever? That was a question yeah. that was sort of posed a while ago. And you know, we kind of all vehemently agreed that that's a load of shit. There's plenty of stories there. Yeah. And there's stories within sport all the time. This really amazing thing sort of happened on the weekend, and then it was like a witnessing of uh something that was uh like rare, I think, in a life lifetime, and it comes across perhaps I don't know, maybe once or twice, and uh, it, it it happened in sport, and it happened in a sport that is somewhat unknown in a lot of regard. It's known through its association with MMA uh, and kind of the dawning of MMA and the UFC. Um, But it happened in no-gi grappling, so in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. They had the ADCC tournament this year. Uh, It's a tournament that happens every two years. It's been three because of the pandemic. Uh, And what happened was uh, there was one guy in the lead-up to the ADCC, an American guy by the name of Gordon Ryan. He's 27 years old. Uh, And off the back of him, they've had the biggest event of all time in their history, as far as viewership and interest and uh, production value and all this sort of stuff. And Gordon Ryan happened to have uh, a record-breaking, un-like, ADC event that hasn't been done. Nothing like it has ever been done. He broke all these records. Effectively, he's now a three-time champion going up divisions. So from eighty-eight to ninety-nine to above ninety-nine. So going into the heavyweight division. This and then so he. Uh, the idea going in was that he would do the heavyweight division, go through, and it's a tournament, right? So they have mm. a quarterfinal, semifinal, uh, and then the final. And then he would go on to have a super fight with the previous sort of guy seen as a goat name is, uh, named Andre Galvao. Gordon Ryan came in saying, I'm going to wreck everyone in the heavyweight division, and then I'm going to uh, beat... Andre Galvao, the guy everyone thinks is the best, and it's not gonna be close. And much like Conor McGregor, you know, kind of manifest destiny, Gordon Ryan came in and he did exactly what he said he was gonna do. The controversial thing about Gordon Ryan is that he's, a a, Brazilians think he's disrespectful to the sport of jiu-jitsu. Um, he also isn't secretive about his techniques. In fact, he records them all and puts them online for you to subscribe to or to buy. Uh, he makes passive income that way. It does really well for himself. Uh, and he also happens to train under John Danaher, who's like was GSP's coach. Super freak. Uh, interesting, uh, interesting, a like, Interestingly enough, in the final, he beat a former teammate who uh, split, they split the team um, and his former teammate, they met in the final and he smoked him in the final as well. What's kind of cool about Gordon Ryan is he's presented himself, he's very, he understands brand, right? And he's borrowed in a lot of ways, like combat sports seem to do these days, he's borrowed in a lot of ways from pro wrestling And I was watching this event over the weekend, and they use a lot of the same sort of vernacular, like uh, heat, uh, promo, uh, he's being heelish, Hmm. um, that sort of stuff, right? So that was sort of like said throughout commentary, and uh, the presentation was kind of pride-like. They even had the pride voice. um, Did they have a stage walkout? yeah they did walkouts and fireworks and so it had like a real kind of pro wrestling sort of feel about yep. it in a lot of ways and brazilians hate gordon ryan because he i mean nogi jiu-jitsu is kind of uh, controversial for the traditionalists out there anyway because it's not like using the traditional yeah. uniform um and he's kind of basically come in and said uh, and like the idea being that in order for you to be really good at no key you've got to have worn the key you got to train in the key and he sort of said well fuck that that's a load of shit and he's kind of proved that his system is the best mm. uh, and he's come out and he said things like uh, you know within the next 10 years brazilians won't win anything it'll be all americans and it's a it's a technological and it's an innovative Uh, thing you know people were talking about the old school way of jujitsu is is the way that works well his his team is proving that their system is very different and his coach is a really super fascinating guy he kind of like he's almost like this weird sort of philosopher martial artist uh, and you know uses japanese Kaizen essentially to sort of train
1: his students and looks like one of the dudes from like prometheus (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, but always,
2: always wearing a rash shirt. Never Yeah, seen all, rash always, yeah. Like it's
1: fucking weird. It's like totally weird. Like a dad down at a uh, a local Wet and Wild. Yeah.
2: All of that being said, like that weird history lesson into something you probably have no interest in. <laughs> interest in, right? Gordon Ryan is a heel. He plays a heel character.
0: Mm.
2: Off the back of that, they've had the biggest event, the most interest of all time in this, in this event. It's, a it's the most prestigious event in jiu-jitsu, in grappling. Yeah. But it's kind of like, you know, fucking, who wants to watch jiu-jitsu for the most part? It's pretty boring. But he's brought all these eyes to it and he subbed everyone by one guy. Uh, I mean, to get into the final, he subbed the guy in 11 seconds. He also talks like he's got a really methodical style. everything is very planned and and almost he makes everyone look like he's going up against white belts against beginners. Mm. This is just there he has no peer at the moment, and he's playing this like hyper heel character. yep and like I said, as a result of that, it has brought this Amazing sort of engagement and new fans to the sport who have heard you know he's been on Rogan and different things so people who maybe had like a peripheral interest has sort of seen him talking and be like who is this crazy guy uh, that everyone is talking about being the goat of a sport at 27
0: mm.
2: you know not in t- in his eyes he's not reaching his prime for another 10 years so the records that he could potentially set are. are insane effectively like we're looking at a, a michael jordan muhammad ali type character in this sport super fascinating to me being a guy who likes to look for weird characters in weird sports like fucking arm wrestling and crazy shit like that and trying to see you have a clear type of
1: character that you gravitate
2: towards. well i want to see people do the impossible right yeah the seemingly impossible and what he's doing, no one has ever done before. Like he's on a 50 or nearly a 60 match winning streak in a sport where it's hard to get 10. Mm. Like he is, his level of domination is insane, right? And so people either love him and want to see him win or they want to watch him lose.
1: Yeah, want to be this there idea when happens. Of Like
2: why Brock was a drawer in the UFC or this idea of why Floyd was a drawer in boxing you know they become a heel because hatred fuels viewership in combat sports resentment fuels it too yeah and i was thinking about what you were saying then it's like oh you know uh that that era that that bygone era that amazing era that we had in new japan and how appealing that was and how many how it brought in new eyes and then this kind of fall from grace as a result of the pandemic and then how do you rebuild it and now they're branching into an international audience that's already kind of um accustomed to these types of heel characters and watching these sorts of heel characters Mm. why not and you know we're already seeing the you know the rise of the switchblade area the right the rise of jay in the past, you know, San Martino and all those sorts of guys are beloved baby faces who were on top for such a long period of time until a different era in the US comes along. And you see guys like Flair, but in WWF, it was yeah. always like Hulk and like these kind of baby faces that pushed this company. And now it's like Roman Reigns has been a heel champ for how long has he been Couple champ? Of for? Years, I don't yeah. know. So if you're wanting to appeal to an international market and still raise the product to another level, why not? And still do it from the home homegrown looking at Jay over the last few months. And we've talked about, Oh, maybe this face turn needs to happen. Maybe, this, maybe it's not the rise of Jay as a face. Maybe it's the rise of, of like the Uber heel new japan gets an uber heel and he rides he brings everyone up on the chase because he becomes this kind of dominant champion the face of the company is a heel the face of the company is a heel and everyone tunes in because they want to see they, they to love beat. him or they want to see him get beat and who can beat him and who can knock him from the throne mm. it's just a concept that i thought a bit about over the week, and i'm like it's like watching this amazing sort of thing happen, and it's all off the back of this guy presenting him presenting himself as a, as just untouchable, and arrogance to it that mm. is like it's kind of it's in a lot of ways it's quite cringeworthy. But it's compelling. when you back it up, how fucking intriguing is it when you back it up?
1: This is such an interesting area too, Dave, because it's – and it. this is like we're, we're going – I don't know how this is connected. It's somehow it has connected the two talking points that have literally – you couldn't get more polarized in terms of the beginning. <laughs> Where did come from? But this is the distinction that's interesting in pro wrestling because in any combat sport – and this was – the interesting part i was i was literally thinking as you were talking because as i was saying roland bart was talking about this idea in the difference between combat sports because he was comparing it to judo at the time because that was a frame of reference people could get and he talked about how the 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 feeling in a fight or in combat sports is obviously the finish can happen at any time right and that's kind of that unexpected element means that sometimes you'll get these dramatic things. Sometimes you won't. And that's the story is not so much about what's happening in, in the match per se. It's about the, the, the character moving through the, the the thing as a, as a whole. And sometimes you'll get great stuff inside it. The interesting part is about what we talked about is the dynamic of that because That has to be, I agree, that could be a direction you go, but it has to be so careful and considered because I'm going to read you a quote, right? I'm going to read this random quote, but it will make make sense, I think, when it all ties together. It talks about um, what wrestling should be, and the argument that he makes is that, quote, wrestling should be exactly what the public expects of it. Wrestlers who are very experienced know perfectly how to direct the spontaneous episodes of the fight so to make them conform to the image which the public has a great legendary themes of its mythology, right? So the idea being that wrestlers understand the form, they understand the intent, and they can craft to be what we expect it to be. So we have expectations in a match. We have expectations of heel, face. We have all these expectations. And wrestling has built its entire archetype on this idea of the baby face triumphs over the heel in the end. Cause that's how people always forget about Jay. Cause he's so popular in the sense in, in the Western imagination that they always forget. He always loses the big match because he's mm. the heel. That's the convention that we expect. And so he performs the function. Now the key part they say about that is in a combat sport, you get knocked out. Often you diminish in the public's eye, but because yeah. you're performing a function as expect as expected as the heel, you don't diminish. Because you're performing what you're expected to be. You're always, you, that's what the, the function is. So you don't, you can lose a heap of time if you're a heel because that's what you're supposed to do. The dynamic here is I agree with you. That would be interesting. And let's say Jay becomes the modern auteur, right? He becomes the new version of I'm, he becomes, he becomes Scorsese because he says, fuck this, I'm making Raging Bull an 80 right? Like we're going this direction, but I'm going to make this thing. And this, this idea, what he has to be careful of is our expectation because our expectation has to be that the face must triumph. If the face doesn't triumph, he's going beyond our expectation outside of our expectation. And therefore he has the potential of being diminished because we, he's not performing the function we expect. So the, it would be fascinating how they do it. It would be, I think it'd be a nice it might be the approach to go. Like I'm all for it. I think what I was trying to get at was I felt like that run of those seven years was at the top. You had the expected face and heel dynamics, but New Japan doesn't play in those areas the same way. Mm. They play in nuance and gray, and they play with Okada and um, they play with Okada and uh, Tanahashi. And Barth made an interesting point too. And I liked the distinction between Western and what he called French approach to wrestling. He said, Western wrestling is about politics. He said, French wrestling is about ethics. Ethics are murky. (laughs) Like, and we're playing this idea of what's right, what's wrong. Who's right. Who's wrong. We can all, we all occupy. We're not teams in politics. We have teams in ethics. We are negotiating always. And so, that's why that type of approach is so different in new japan and why i think it allows the space for auteurs to tell their their stories because they're not playing in teams they're playing in the murky spaces of ethics and so if you wanted to push jay and you want to go that direction i'm all for that And, and there's no doubt the company has positioned him as a certain space and we always think why have we always said he's going to turn face because that's the Prototypical expectation of the performance is that's where he will go, yeah. and I'm not saying we need to subvert our expectations to make great uh, art, but I do think to some extent the best storytellers are the ones that tell their stories, and whatever those are, and whatever they are, as an authentic expression is what they are, and I think Jay has of all the modern pro wrestlers, I think he's the best at that particular skill set. So if you want to make him a heel, if I if I was going to pick one guy to be able to do it. He might be the guy. Well, I mean, also
2: in the context of what happened on the weekend, Gordon Ryan ended up getting a whole heap of respect. All, all the haters shut up and effectively gave in and said, yeah, that dude is the best. So now, now he rides that fine line of where, where he, I mean, he can play that space of, of heel face if he likes.
1: So is, is, the, is, the argument, is the argument then to transcend the idea? Is that the concept, like the idea of a heel and a face? Is, is that the key for New Japan to get back to where it was? Because think about when New Japan was at its top, Bullet Club was doing its thing, but it was never the, the overriding. It was Tanahashi Okada. Mm. right and then it was okada omega and they were the two stories and in both instances like when omega finally beats okada Omega's not a it's not a heel like that's not yeah. how he's playing and and okada is almost the gordon ryan because he's this guy that has is on this unbelievable streak who has the confidence and arrogance in the way that he goes he's de- he's dethroned Tanahashi, in a style that he believes is, is a better way to go about things. He does things differently. He's uh, adding all these elements that are not conventional com- compared to New Japan house style. He's come from a different place from Turimon. So he presents as this archetype, but people don't hate him because he's so good. They respect him and they think this guy's a, a wonderkind. And so, he, on the back of him, New Japan grows and him and Tana's rivalry then pop. Part- you know, parlays into, into Okada and Omega. And now into this void that was this, this great sort of generational rival steps in Jay White. And the idea is, okay, well, is he going to be the guy that takes it? I mean, is it, I mean, obviously now we've got Osprey and we've got these things, but for me, if new Japan wants to get to where it was and where, what it has the potential to be, you have to back the right storytellers. You have to back the right guys. and, because they're going to put certain, like, here's the thing. If they're the studio, they're going to, they're going to green light a couple of guys they think are going to be good. And they're going to live and die by that decision. Whereas I think in a Western presentation, we're seeing it right now. Like, just the way we talk about things, just the way they talk about things. Like, you talk about what's happening with the world title on AEW, for instance. The way people talk about that thing is about what Tony Khan needs to do to make sure that the, you know, the title gets in this. They're talking like macro. They're never talking about the wrestlers per se or put it on Mox or put it on Danielson. We do it, do it, Tony. The, the facade of, of, of any K kayfabe is just completely gone out of the storytelling. We're only really worried about casting decisions. You know, we're like mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. about this in the same way that we talk about uh, Marvel films. It's not to diminish Marvel, it's just the way, it's a dialogue we talk about. But when you empower a Naito like akata has got the belt, you know, Jay's got the, you know, this idea of like, Jay's the champ, right? So Jay just when Jay just thrown Okada, that came out with a shock, right? Because we all expected the the logical move was Akata's year. That was how it was going to go. And so they're backing Jay. And so the way you look at it, the way I always look at it is the people they pick are the people they're backing to frame the way the narrative is told as a collective, the way we perceive the entire fucking studio the way we perceive the entire company is based entirely on a few selections a few decisions you know how we perceive the rise of new japan is tanahashi gokata if they get that wrong they're fucked because they're backing the auteurs they're backing the guys to do it and in and you're seeing it in aws the idea is like who they're going to back they've got to do they've got to fix that model but i think their their long-term vision over there is not to be in a situation where they're reliant on a single storyteller they want mm. to be the studio model. They want to be that. We produce stories the way we tell them. That's how we want to do it. And I was trying to figure it out. I couldn't get the nuance of it last week. I couldn't put my finger on it. But it wasn't until watching that and thinking about even what you're talking about there is the only way Gordon Ryan exists is if Gordon Ryan has control over Gordon Ryan. Like, and the only, and it's the same thing in pro wrestling is they can say to Jay, yeah, you're the guy. But it comes down to how you're going to be the guy. Yeah, and I think ultimately it comes down to can you tell that story on your own. And I remember when Kenny Omega was describing, and yes, it was probably in kayfabe talking about why New Japan made the right decision in picking Jay. He said that they made the right decision in picking Jay because Jay connects everything together like that's he's that's the type of wrestler he is he connects everything whereas osprey is just a wrestler wrestler he does all the moves Mm. and jay's smart that's how he said jay's really smart and it's like i think that's a tacit suggestion of jay can craft he'll like he he understands the assignment that you're the face which means you you determine the direction we're going in thematically everything you determine that and that's that's a big responsibility, but it's like you just got to make the right choices if you're in New Japan. like The thing is they backed Kenny Omega, mm. right? They did. They backed him. And he created Star Wars and left. And now there's an idea of what pro wrestling is, and it's blockbusters and these elements that are – that's what people have now come to understand pro wrestling to be. And so the next generation of guys that learn under him, like an Osprey, that's how he perceives wrestling to be. And that's fine. But what I'm saying is it creates the frameworks through which we understand pro wrestling. When in reality, those guys still exist. And I I look at Jay as that guy that could be the one that says, I'm going to tell the alternative narrative here. Like I'm going to say outside the studio system, like Scorsese did never went back to Hollywood, stayed in New York and told largely uh, anti-hero stories in a lot of respects that were counter to that, that presentation of pro wrestling. And when we look back and when we, when I'm searching, when I'm searching for pro wrestling in the future, when I have all of these options, I think I'm going to go looking for the auteurs. Like that's who I'm going to go searching for. And I think that that era of new Japan is full of them, but it doesn't mean it can't happen again. And it doesn't mean that, but I don't think it'll ever happen the way it did, but Jay might be the, he might be the answer. I think he,
2: I mean, there's so many different ways you could go with him. I think that too, like he could, he could, walk away from bullet club and still be heel yep yeah it could like he could sit atop on his own without you know because we always talk about like oh he's got to have as a heel he has these other guys to sort of rely on I'm like I like the, I, I'm, I like this idea because they need heels right and I, need, but I like yeah. this idea of a dominant heel
1: champion that needs no one else maybe just Gato, mm. and you and you know what you know what the thing about that is too dave and i'm not against it this is good conspiracy booking and it's completely like well, i don't know where the fuck we're going but <laughs> the idea if you do that i'm with you because jade young but you mm. know what you do if you make that decision you're also picking the young baby face that may not even come in that's going to be the dethroner you're figuring out who is the guy that in five years time is the one that finally gets him and that kind of that's when new japan's at its best i think they made the decision with they made the decision early with okada versus tana and they and it took like people it took okada years to get him but he got him
2: yeah and then, look, I mean, you could you, you could almost re, you could retell the story of Okada uh, and Okada and Gato with Gato and Jay. Yeah, like Gato could leave Jay for who he perceives to be the next
1: young, and that's what ultimately that's what ultimately would turn Jay. And then finally. that would
2: turn Jay face.
1: It's really interesting in the era that we're facing right now, the reality era. I just think it's something. There's something to it. Because crafted in the image, like this is the thing, like what's happening at AEW where everyone knows what's happening is crafted in the image of the guys that created it, the meta wrestlers, where everything was about inside and behind the thing. Like That was how they told their stories. Like they added not just what you saw on the screen, but how you experienced it past behind the screen. That's like being the elite behind the scenes. That was their whole storytelling motif. That was their structure. That's how they can the conventions. And look what it's created, right? That's the thing. And where would that lead? And I was just interested in that. I was thinking about that because Jay's the opposite of that. He is the, he's one of the last NJFs in that same category to some extent, but he's one of the last true stick to kayfabe look at this idea. I, I, I read another interesting article guy that now uh, follows us, Douglas Ed, which hopefully listens to the show. He was like a philosopher. Anyway, he wrote a, a little part that ties into this as well. He talked about, um, about reality. He was saying the same thing because he mentioned WCW and saying like too much reality puts philosophers and pro wrestling companies out of business because he's like reality is freely available, right? It's out there, but the mysteries are the things that connect us to anything, like the ambiguity. It has to be feel real, but not be real. That's the benefit. And once we, we remove that artifice, we cease to be able to accept anything that's presented to us because now we don't know where the lines are. And in a bad way, because we know what's real. And Jay's the opposite of that. He's always been the opposite of that. He doesn't want to let you in. And it's a challenge for some people because they're so used to this convention of what it is. So I think if you want to bust that Dave, if you want to bust that whole idea, then you need to short circuit it. And the best way to short circuit is to completely reconsider the convention that is the face heel uh, of your company, the face of the company and say, well, we're going to go in with an antagonist. I'm not saying he has to be a heel. He just has to be an antagonist. He's just there to antagonize and to stir and to, to lead others to try to get to him. And the protagonist will stand up and they will, they will be the ones that will, will challenge. But you look at his, his persona, he calls his own shots. He's always done that. He always says, listen to what I say, because what I say will happen. And he's almost always right. And when it doesn't, he can't compute. It's like, what the fuck? It's like, it's, it's like a shock to him. It's like, it's, it's completely foreign concept of like, that didn't, that's not supposed to happen. That wasn't supposed to be the case, but he always writes his wrongs. That's the idea of like, oh, they didn't work, but I'm going to make sure it will next time. So I can feel affirmed in my belief. That type of storytelling is, I believe is, is he's, like I'm saying, I think New Japan is the home of the auteurs, and I do think there are that those guys exist in AW too. But what I think they're going to find resistance against is they're in a system now where they're not allowed to be the full version of that because there is a framework that they must adhere to, and it's a, just a difference in in New Japan. They give them the money, they give them the budget, and they they get out of the way. They give them the the, the story, the direction, the script. This is the rough idea. You go and. You crafted, however you want to tell that story. You craft it. You work together. You do that. And I think there's more structure in the other place. And so when Jay goes there, he doesn't feel quite like Jay White, right? When he's on AWTV, he doesn't feel quite like Jay White. He feels a little restrained. He feels a little constrained by you feel like he has to perform to get to a certain outcome, right? So when he goes to the backstage, right, and it's a backstage press conference and everyone's expecting a certain way, because this is the, remember, this is the type of construction that they have created. And yeah. he goes into that and says, I do things this way, because this is how I tell my stories and fuck all of your convention. Cause I don't give a shit about it. I'm doing it my way. It scares the living daylights out of people because they don't know how to take it. And so can new Japan find its second wind? Can it, can it resurrect to where it was once was with this new era? switchblade era i don't know i that's to be seen because can will western audiences accept this unconventional storyteller and i have to believe i have to hope that this idea that that the new hollywood is dead but that there are some there are some some of the auteurs that survived will will survive and then 10 years later you'll get tarantino
2: yeah and i I think too like if you position someone in a in a place of power and being undeniable then eventually eyes come across that's kind of like what i sort of witnessed over the the weekend watching this
1: fucking thing it's like truly amazing but dave that's the funny part about it that's that works in combat sports right because it's that great challenge to beat that person that is, the, that is the, 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 the mountain that people must climb. And seeing it in pro wrestling is such an interesting space because people know that someone will climb the mountain. Yeah. Whereas that's, that's never a given in, in combat sports. You could, do, you could be a Floyd. Like no one's climbing the mountain, right? But in pro wrestling, there's an expectation that they will mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> Boxing's nearly as worked as fucking. <laughs> yeah, purpose, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, at this point, yeah, yeah. But I just think it's about how do you craft that story? Because if you get it wrong, I'm saying if you get it wrong, you, you, you basically left holding the bag because you've presented someone that's unbeatable, and people cease to care. Because as I said, there's an expectation that someone will do it. And New Japan has played in these areas before, Naito being the perfect example. When Naito, everyone believed Naito should have won, he didn't, right? And everyone still will argue he shouldn't have done or whatever. But New Japan stuck solid with their belief in that character and the way the character should tell that long-term story. And it was unconventional and it and it defied. And the reason I think people are so upset is because it defied what our expectations were and he was a face. So because he failed in that context, it it has the possible impact of the same way a combat sport has a possible impact of a face losing in that context that they are diminished and the heel is strengthened and Okada is sort of, Oh man, no one's beaten Okada. Like that was the mentality I yeah. was like, no one's beaten Okada. But if you're, but if the difference between Okada and Jay is Okada never, other than being a little slightly arrogant, he never was an antagonist in that sense. He was just undeniable. He was just the, the mountain to climb. Jay can be the antagonist that's the mountain. Like he can be the one that's like constantly spurring people and 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 driving it in. If he could do that, if he could do that, New Japan could enter a new era that's different to the old era. But as I said, it could be like the 90s cinema, where it's yeah. it's inspired by that era, it's driven by directors, and ultimately it leads to a completely different convention in storytelling where it's aware of what exists, that meta awareness, but it doesn't look back and try to be. Um, it doesn't look back and try to be like deconstructive. It looks to make homages and say like Tarantino is a perfect example. I'm going to remake everything in the, in my, the way I want to do it. And Jay could be that guy. I'm going to remake Okada, Only this time I'm going to be Jay white this way. Like there's something interesting in that, like that would make sense. I would be great that the pandemic was the eighties of movies. That'd be nice if it just stayed to like three <laughs> years. It. <laughs> yeah. just three years that'd be great yeah uh, that'd be that'd be awesome um so i do think there's something to that the undeniable heel the face of the company being a heel bringing in the new golden age of of pro wrestling could be could be interesting good god how the fuck did that tie together <laughs> i have no idea i have no idea well done yes but that's that's see that's the thing it's, it builds off the discussion we had last week anyway
2: yeah i mean it all just come for me it just came down to like witnessing something in a in a sport and thinking Look, there's fucking parallels between this written you know this written thing and this well, unwritten thing.
1: thing. exactly because people that say that sports don't have stories have never watched a sport yeah exactly like, what
0: yeah. narratives what connects us to sport and then it then it goes the other way too because then you have athletes like LeBron James who are always trying to push a narrative and always trying to push this story to make what he does even more epic because that's because so that he, he understands goes, the the function like, of the thing no, no no but he gets it wrong so when you have a guy like who Dave's talking about he gets it right as opposed to LeBron who gets it so wrong you oh, know geez, what I mean you're
1: gonna you bring those people in speaking of Jay White I'm not trying to anti- LeBron, LeBron. but the myth saying, I it's myth making Red I know what you're saying Red it's yeah, myth
0: making. He's yeah. trying to, 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 to drive down this, this, this idea of the, he's up against all the odds and all that kind of stuff and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And that's him trying to create the narrative. And that's where it goes wrong, whereas the guy Dave's talking about is doing it perfectly, which is where us as fans watching Jay, I can totally understand how frustrating it would be for some people who are just like, I don't get this guy. Why, why is this guy on top? Well, it's because you're used to a certain thing.
1: I th- well that's it exactly they're used yeah. to a certain thing they have an expectation of a certain thing and the idea is does the studio hold its nerve with the filmmaker that's the idea yeah. because if they do they have something very special but if they i'm like yeah let's get fucking weird because yeah, let's get weird
2: because the i think just like the payoff could be it'll be good i could be yeah, transformative. Like
0: never like never before seen, you know? Well, it, it, I mean, if, if they stick with it, you could just think about the birth of what potentially could be for New Japan going forward. And, and not only that, though, with, with, with them broadening their relationships with the other companies in the country as well, and also overseas as well, what we could be seeing, and Jay could be the catalyst between it all, some sort of like a new driving era of wrestling and like this whole amalgamation of this complete form of what it is. But
1: that's the thing that I find interesting because everyone wants it to become a multiverse because that's what they, they, that's the, that's the framing of it. Like every, we want everything to be connected. And I'm arguing for, I think that new Japan will rise by its contrast to that. It's got to focus in on what it does best. And it does can exist in the multiverse of that space but it will never. It shouldn't try to fit into that other space. I'm yeah. saying that they need to hold their nerve. I think with. I think with. I don't know who the guy. I think it's. Uh, uh, what was his name Tranquilo A W Tranquilo? The YouTube account anyway always compares Tony Khan to Scorsese, and maybe maybe that little thing has always like just got under my skin. <laughs> maybe it has. It's always been like.
2: Oh, yeah, I know. He, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, he makes some cool content. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I'm like, I just think, and this is just, this is what is essentially a philosophical discussion. It's a difference of opinion in terms of how he's framed it. I think like the idea is New Japan has found at Scorsese in, in Jay, in the terms of, this is a guy that's telling a story that's very different. It's come out of that seventies era, right? So out of main streets and taxi drive, like it's come out of this era. Um, Alice doesn't live here anymore. He's very, whatever he's, so he's part of that movement he's part because jay was part of that movement let's not forget he's mm. part of the golden era too he was there he's part of that he's this superstar wonderkind. so now he comes along and the landscape has changed star wars is hit aw exists right the blockbuster jaws star wars the era has come in so all these like the guys we used to love the freakins that make sorcerer that josh loses his shit over mm. those guys are like he's like el desperado or something like people that love him love him and like how is he not getting more but it's like can he work in the other spaces i'm not sure but jay is still going and he's saying well i'm going to commit to this movement and new japan as a studio say okay and so he makes raging bull in 1980 so he makes his story that's so different to what they're doing now they have to hold the course that's what i'm saying hold the course because if you hold the course we're gonna to get to good fellas right yeah. <laughs> just hold the course it's going to take a little two of time but we'll get to these. You might, like, you might piss a few people off along the <laughs> <way>. <laughs> Yes, you're right. Yes. You're right. You might make your last temptation of Christ. It may happen, but trust it. Because if you get the right people, right, they're coming off their, they they got the right people in the past. If you get the right people and you trust your tours to make the stories the way they are, they will frame the industry in which they exist. And they'll frame the studio in which they exist. And New Japan is that place. I was trying to understand, like I've never, but that's the way it makes more sense to me. It's like they are the studio, and like they're like a twenty-four or whatever. They they're, they're yeah. committed to empowering independent people to make interesting stuff in a landscape of whatever. Or Blumhouse, for instance, like we mm-hmm. want to tell these particular types of stories, but we're giving you freedom to be a Jordan Peele and make whatever you want to do as long as it fits within the broader narrative. Yeah, and
2: kind of like what Netflix set out to do,
1: right? Yeah, change the world, right? Yeah. and now it's the and that's what I'm saying. When I look at AEW, I'm not criticizing what it is. I'm saying Star Wars, it's fucking very successful and has led to a lot of things. But now we look back in time and we lament what happened when we gave away control from the storytellers and gave it to the studio. That's all I'm saying. And it's saying that I want New Japan to stick the, stay the course with JY because that direction, to me, as tying to what you said, you presented a, an alternative approach that fits with the exact type of story that would be so contrast to what uh, AEW is doing. And I'm not saying the competition. What they are are different types of films that we can all enjoy. And I want the diversity of high-level art in my in, available. Otherwise, yeah. I'm going to be stuck with a fucking ton of options, millions of options, and nothing capturing my imagination. And I have to go back in time to seek it to that golden era <laughs> of mm. when those when the auteurs were making their stories the way they wanted to do them. That's all I'm suggesting. And I think that, yeah, I'm glad that I somehow found this. I don't know how it ended up there. I was talking about French philosophers and random things, but like it helped me to figure out that idea of that analogy. Because we always talk about film and story and this idea that we see in New Japan. It's like understanding the actual output, convention, construction, like the, how, how the sausage is made. It's like now I understand the, the distinction. I feel like that's a little distinction is that, they, is that they're ultimately allowing empowering guys, but not everyone, just the top guys, the guys that they think that they could do that, you know? And when they were going good, they had like eight guys that were mm-hmm. doing making their own things. Like no one makes movies like Zack Saber Jr., right? No one tells stories like Zack Saber Jr. does. He does his own thing. Like, and what would he look like on? in that space it's it looks foreign it just looks
0: foreign mm-hmm. it's like oh and you think about the guys who are big stars and other promotions and they get taken to the hollywood and then they get repackaged in what hollywood wants them to be yeah yeah mm. exactly i mean exactly. it's just i mean right now it's like we're watching walter but it's like i'm seeing the instead of them getting the german version movie with the german language in it
1: i mean wwe is the most obvious example of that red they are the truest version of you become what we want but i'm saying what i'm saying is although aw made the conscious decision to be different what i'm mm. saying is they they crafted in a certain image and that they've to, in order to conform to expectation in terms of western presentation they are going to move closer and closer or what to a direction similar mm-hmm. to what WWE is you yeah. need more places that empower the 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 person themselves, the storyteller themselves to be that rather than let's go watch Malachi go and tell a story in the Marvel universe. Yeah. That's, that's that's just what I'm talking about. I just think if they can make a good living and they can be comfortable and they can do that, it'll have a long, have much bigger long-term impacts in the way that we perceive pro wrestling in the future. And it's not to say that this is a certain way. I'm not diminishing what they're doing in the current Western presentation. I'm just saying that that is the reason I watch that form of pro wrestling as opposed to this one, because I feel like that it's cl- the story they're telling is closer to what they want to do. And that's, that's it. That comes down to it in the day. And I just hope that the, the stories that are told are good enough to sustain the place that they're in. And for new Japan, when they're coming out of those dark ages, I hope the next, the next round of, like or like tours they select are going to tell the stories that sustain the place. That's all I hope. I just want him I don't want Jay to be like every good young indie director that currently exists, that they get signed up by the big studio and they go away and they make for, you know, yeah. Like, T-T. Yeah. Like Tyker. Yeah.
2: Like I want more boy. Yeah. Give me more boy. Ah. <laughs>
1: I don't
0: know.